This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Van listeners, and welcome to episode 67 of the Radio Free Van podcast, a 30K Horus Heresy podcast. My name's Michael, and I've got my co-host sitting right next to me, Derek. Come say what's going on, Derek. How's it going, everybody? Scott, who's across the pond, which is known as the Mississippi. I don't know what uh, you yeah. what, what pond is that? <laughs> Mississippi River or something? Texarkana, like Texarkana. Arkansas, fucking... <laughs> Missouri. What's up, bird burglars? <laughs> and the powerful Ryan Kimmel. Let's see what's going on, Ryan. I'm across two ponds, the Mississippi and the the Ohio. Yeah. So that so my my comment made sense for Ryan, not so much for Scott. <laughs> There's not much separating <laughs> us from Scott in Texas, so. So, we've got a great podcast for you guys. Uh let me go ahead and break it down. Of course, we're going to go over the normal intro slash hobby progress that we go through. Uh, then we got some voicemails you, you guys sent in. Then Ryan and Scott are going to give us a little breakdown of their Orcs versus Iron Hands game that they played there. I'm pretty excited to hear about that because I want to hear about how these Orcs did. Uh, then Derek had his Horus Heresy cherry popped. Played his first game over against versus the Goler guys. Shout out to all you sexy San Antonio boys. So we get to hear about that game and get to hear about that breakdown. And then we have a 2,500 point Court of the Crimson King Thousand Sun list and a 2,500 point Iron Warriors Iron Fire list. So it's gonna be a fun episode, boys. It's gonna have we're gonna all have a good time. So I guess first let's uh, let's do some let's do some intros some and some hobby progress. Let's start with you, Derek. How's your how's your week been, buddy? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain. Um, you have to talk way louder than that and into the mic because you probably sound like a a hummingbird right now to everybody listening. It's been pretty good. Uh, pretty good week. Uh, not a lot going on as far as hobby progress. I uh, found a scheme I like for my drop pods, but just trying to finagle with my uh, airbrush still. All right. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, I don't know nice. what else to tell you. It's, nice, solid, Derek. That, that, that's Very where I'm at. Solid. <laughs> and that's the show, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> We're going to go shut it down from here, guys. Hope you all had a good time. <laughs> I don't know how I can follow that. Fucking Derek's just done it all. <laughs> well, I mean, what the fuck you want from me? I've been working. I've been getting off from work. I've been tired. I had this event I got to get ready for. And I got to go back to work. <laughs> we'll talk about that event. I get it, Derek. You're saving all of your amazing talk for that event because you probably got all that bottled up inside of you. We'll go ahead and switch over to Scott. Scott, man, how was your weekend? How was your week? The fucking weekend was great, man. I went up and saw fucking Ryan and the dudes on Saturday. We played a sweet game. We went out to Fogo de Chow, ate a bunch of food. That was oh, yeah. fucking pretty legit. 
It's my first time in a Brazilian steakhouse. It's really good. It's something I highly recommend. Um, did you take Jamie's advice and, and fast the day before? Like, did you cleanse? I did not eat the day of. I I didn't want to go, like, fucking hypoglycemic and goddamn <laughs> die on the road on the way up there. But I, I did, did not eat breakfast before I got there. And it paid off because I was able to fucking fill myself with a lot of goddamn food. So <laughs> it was really good, man. Um, if I had to pick a highlight, they have this buffet set up that had bacon in it that was like seasoned with some kind of like maybe like cayenne pepper and brown sugar and it was legit as fuck man. it was really good so i ate a bunch of food then we went back to uh, uh ryan's place me and him played a game of 2500 points iron hands versus orcs we took a bunch of pictures we'll get those up sometime this week you know um, we took a bunch of pictures I took a bunch of pictures. I took 84 <laughs> pictures to be exact, but they are on Ryan's SD card, and he has to pick which ones to put up. So there we are. But we'll yeah. get them up there. Um, they're on the scrapyard table he's painting, so looks pretty pretty dope. Both our armies are actually based in that color by some random happenstance, so it almost looks like they belong there and everything. That so was pretty cool. Um, this week, I... When I started school next week, so I had to go to orientation and go for my annual ass raping at the college textbook store. So mm. that was fun. And now I'm here to talk to you guys. Man, one of these days, man. You didn't, you didn't PDF all your textbooks, or it's not a thing anymore? Or I guess um, it's some, to... I mean, you can. Uh, I don't know. I just like having a hard copy because I don't know what some professors' policies are going to be on, you know, having laptops open in class or not or whatever. You know, I don't mind. I just, uh, some some of my classes, you know, some of the professors are actually decent human beings and don't want me to get fucked by the educational industrial system and they just supply you with the textbook online, but others don't, don't afford that <laughs> to be to the tune of about 600 fucking bucks so you just can't justify that man all the things you could do for no. 600 dollars, you could go visit like the country for 600 dollars. like you could go what i want to know dude there's all these conspiracy theory you know people and groups out there that believe the fucking earth is flat and lizard men run the country how has no one taken a deep, hard look at the fucking educational system in this country beyond high school? The best are the professors that write their own textbooks that they then make you use and then write a new one every year or two years and constantly make people buy new ones so that they're basically like creating their own economy. That's a thing. This you know what? This shit cannot stand, man. Someone, someone with a little more ambition than me has to take a stance. <laughs> But Dude, uh, can the History yeah. Channel just take a look at this? Can we get the guys from yeah. Ancient Aliens? Can we to get Tim Kennedy on this? Someone, <laughs> please. We get Tim yeah. Kennedy on the phone and have him fucking put these jokers in check. Jesse Ventura, because, where the fuck are you, man? Get on yeah, this. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'm but sorry. Yeah, to hear that's that. what I did, man. I'm sorry so. you had to spend your Forge World money on, on textbooks. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Yeah, fuck it. Something stupid like education. 
And you could not do like you don't you don't even get to do anything with those fucking textbooks when you're all set. What's all said and done? Like you no. don't get to like put those up in your bureau. Like oh, let me go ahead and reference my geometry. Like what? No, nobody. Yeah, I guess you can put them in a barrel and burn them for warmth when you can't <laughs> afford your fucking heating bill later. But that's about it. Good lord. Well, I'm sorry to hear you got ass raped. Yeah. It's okay, fucking. I don't even feel it anymore. Just in and out. So, what about you, Ryan? What do you have going on? Uh, painted a bunch more terrain. I finished all these desert tiles, except the one that I'm holding in my hand and painting currently. I probably got about 400 more rocks to paint, which sounds like a lot, but that's like maybe one quarter of this one tile. <laughs> it is a lot. I watched, man, dude, like. So, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna post that picture up right now that you sent me of those fucking rocks. Do you paint them each individually? Like, do you give them like a wash and then paint them after that? Like, what? What's your process yes. there? I'm brush painting them. He loves it. <laughs> each fucking rock, like that's gotta be. Yep. <laughs> do you reload your own ammunition? I feel like you'd be the kind of person that reload like just the <laughs> mundane, <laughs> like just fucking. <laughs> I'll tell you what happens if Ryan stops painting terrain. One homeless man goes missing in Indiana <laughs> every Sunday for every week Ryan doesn't paint terrain. <laughs> I believe that. Um, so, yeah, I'm painting this, uh, and then I got some buildings uh, that I'm going to start working on because I'll have this tile done probably in the next half hour. I'm going to start on these buildings. They're sitting right here. I got five of these MDF buildings from Sarissa to paint up. And then I got this cart thing that's like a special objective marker for Dark Age that you... It's like an official objective marker. I got to paint that up. And then I'm also simultaneously building this giant fucking multi-level, multi-tier, crazy industrial... like industrial factory complex thing that I can use for 30k um, Necromunda Dark Age and any other like post-apocalyptic game so it's probably the most arguably the most ambitious terrain project I've done um, did I send you the picture of like all the kits yeah yeah um, uh, send it again so we can post it up online because uh you're obviously going to town on some well, that, And keep in mind, because in the in the picture, in the picture that a uh, picture of the Armageddon train box or from the the Armageddon box, it just looks like one box of Armageddon. But, but what I did to save space was I bought four sets of that uh, the starter box for Arm Shadow War Armageddon, and then just sold all the miniatures out of it because I didn't really give a fuck about playing the game i just wanted the terrain so i kept all four of the terrain kits sold all the miniatures and then um i have and then i went out and bought some more of the individual sets so when you look at that pile know to know that there's like and i believe the armageddon the starter box game came with more terrain than you get in any of the individual boxes it's like it's quite a bit of stuff yeah. so it's a bunch. And then I got a bunch of that Mantic industrial terrain and all that. So I 
laid all that out today and started working on that and it's like really fucking with my brain like i'm not smart enough to be doing what i'm trying to do i'll just put it that way <laughs> so that's that's a weird thing to admit from coming from ryan well Kimmel. we'll figure it out i'll try to figure it out but it's was hurting my head trying to get it laid out and I don't know. It's one of those things I have to look at and envision where I want it to go, where I need to start, and then work from there. And as I get rolling, I'm sure it'll speed up, but it it's pretty intimidating right now, but I'll get there. Is there, like, a lot of pieces? Like, is there, like, infinity-level pieces in there or what? Like, slivers? Like, the slivers of infinity? What, what do you mean? Like, you said you were trying to, like, figure it out, like, trying to figure out Mantic Games? No, 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 not building the terrain, like, because what I'm trying to do is, okay, so imagine if you took a checkerboard, and it's red and black squares, right? Okay. And then you were to separate them, and the black squares were six inches below the red squares, where you had equal surface area above the the black squares, which would be the bottom floor, oh. but you could reach through to play on it. I gotcha. You're trying so to I'm, make it playable. I'm trying to playable while being like super double decker while also still being four tiles that are modular and be put can you can put them together so you can't so you can transport it because obviously if you do that so it's really going to be like i want two levels that both levels are based almost the amount of surface area you would want on like a normal four by four table like one below the other but where you can reach through and play and see your miniatures on both and then i want a third level that's about half of that and then above that, I'm still going to have more stuff, but it's going to be more sparse with just catwalks and shit running between. Okay. Okay. I thought it was like an issue with like actually building it, but you're trying to make it like fair playable, like all Ryan Kimmel tables. Yeah. 10-4. I gotcha. Badass, dude. Very cool. People should be so lucky. I guess I would have, I guess I should have realized that you obviously were going to put that much thought into building a multi-level table. So, Yeah. So, working on that, uh, wrote some army lists for myself, just fucking around. Uh, tried to keep up with what was going on over at the Weekender or whatever with shit that they released and just news coming out of that still. Like, you know, somebody said something about we're not supposed to expect, like, book eight until late next year. They said Dece- like that. December just, of 2018, right? Yeah. That came from uh, Emperor's Path, right? I think is the guy from Emperor's Path, or was I it no Geno Five Two podcast came out with it? Maybe both. Yeah, it was probably in a seminar where lots of people heard it. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of sucks, but I, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I look at it. I, I know everybody I know has a shitload of unpainted models. And everybody I know has all these extra fucking projects running around. So I just look at it as an opportunity for people to get their shit painted and get everything ready to go and then get a fresh start in 2018. And the same thing with Forge World because they still have tons of models that they have rules for that they've not released. So to me, this actually motivates me because I'm like, oh, goddamn. Because, you know, Blood Angels are supposed to be next, which is like my main army. So if it would have dropped, like when I'm in the middle of trying to do this militia army that I want to do, and 
the Death Guard army that I'm learning to paint in MKA, and then I still want to paint a few units for my Black Shields and Word Bears. Like, you know, like I'm already kind of overwhelmed with doing all this terrain and doing all that. Like, so, I mean, I got so much shit going on. Like, I, I'm actually, this motivates me because I'm like, oh, I got this timeline now that if I bang out all these projects before then, it gives me something to look forward to at the end of it. So it actually, it, I, I, it sounds silly, but I'm actually like kind of excited <laughs> for the break. Like I, I'm pumped, like, cause it's like, well, now I can do all these other projects. Cause there's so many things from the previous books, you know, that I want to do that. I just never got around to doing. Like I was trying to do an army out of each book. And that's kind of what my death guard is going to be where I can play the book one missions. Cause I've never had an army that I could play any of the book one missions out of. Um, and like the Eye of Horse podcast is going back and doing like the revisit of all the black books um, to kind of like, you know, share with people and bring attention to all the cool shit that Alan Bly did for heresy that just kind of went unnoticed because there's so much cool shit in the heresy. It's easy to miss things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to, to me, I'm, I'm really motivated. I'm really excited about the, the new rule book coming out and, I'm hearing there might be some su subtle changes that actually, you know, maybe fix some problems. I don't know. I mean, that's not official. Don't take that whatever. But I got it from a, you know, pretty decent source that there's going to be maybe a few changes that make a lot of people happy. Um, so even some of the stuff that, you know, people, I just feel like it's going to be people get remotivated again. It's like a, a soft a very, very soft reset and a restart point that people should really take advantage of, paint their shit, get everything ready to go, and then be, you know, amped up and ready when that new book hits. With Fuck that, yeah. man, I I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this is kind of the lull, you know, to, I've been wanting to do that table, like a train project as well, and when you kind of start to grasp the amount of time and money and effort it's going to take to do something like that really nicely, like, this is a good window to try to do it, I guess. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I've I seen a few people complain about it, and it's funny to me because I know that, like, these people, it's like, motherfucker, I know how many unpainted miniatures you have. If there's one thing you should not be doing is complaining about not having more miniatures to paint. So just shut the fuck up and paint your miniatures and have them ready in a year. That's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> Calling, calling people out, Ryan. <laughs> Just calling them out. Just let them know. <laughs> don't don't call but, people um, out. I know yeah. I'm, I'm top on that list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just started. You have an excuse. Um, <laughs> I also, uh, um, if anybody that listens to us also listens to it, the Outer Circle, which is a YouTube channel out of Australia, they talk heresy, they talk games workshop, they talk all kinds of shit. Um, the two hosts over there, Cat and Mac, are cool dudes. And Cat uh, was recently in a motorcycle accident and got pretty severely hurt. And um, they wanted to continue doing the show, but obviously he's unable to do it. So they've been reaching out to a lot of people to keep the show going. It's like a revolving door of co-hosts. So uh, Mac reached out to me to do it, so I was happy to step in. And I did an episode of The Outer Circle with him. Uh, early one morning because I have to get up super fucking early to record with the Australian, so that was pretty fun. It's basically just a like a chat. I mean, the, we didn't really talk about anything specific. It wandered through lots of topics, 
talked about a lot of old Games Workshop games we played. Um, talked about how we're not, neither one of us are super keen on 8th edition and why. Talked about Mordheim. Talked about fucking 2nd edition. Just general shit. Um, so, if you guys are bored and want to listen to that, go check that out. That's pretty much all I've done. Outer Circle's great, man. I love some Outer Circle. So, you have a good time listening to that. Yeah. Did y'all tell any industrial Obviously, accident stories? Just, just, just no, we did not. Just so we don't trigger anyone, um, that channel is uh, not for Games Workshop fanboys. So, I don't know why you would be listening <laughs> to this show if you are, but definitely don't go there because you will be triggered, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to walk out of there salty like I was walking out of that fucking bookstore today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's about it. And then Gen Con's this week, so I got one more day of work, and then I'm off Thursday, Friday to party it up in Gen Con. Fuck yes. Are you excited? Fuck yeah. I got my uh, battle plan. Every year I plant, every year that I go, I print off the map of the gaming hall. And then circle all the because they have a list of the vendors at the bottom with the number, the booth number, and then a map at the top with all the where all the booths are at with their number. So I circle where I want to go, and then highlight each one in like a different highlighter, and then circle the booth in that color highlighter so I know where which one is where, and then draw a fucking battle plan of what order to hit what booth in the likely order that they'll sell out of shit, so that I can get everything that I want. Good lord. Look at you planning Gen Con like a boss. This is the anniversary, right? Yeah, it's sold out. This is the first year it's ever sold out like all four days. So it's pretty much guaranteed to be a minimum of 60,000 people there every day, if take, not more. Take your can of fucking Old Spice with you and just spray hose people down, dude. Hurt. Hose Burn down people. the pits. Yeah. <laughs> Back, foul beast. It is going to be but- so bad. Oh God! My buddy Dustin's not there this year, so in in his memory, I may have to do his old favorite trick of standing not amongst but very near all the Doctor Who people because they're super fucking fanatical about Doctor Who and talk shit about Doctor Who at a level loud enough where they'll hear you, but you're not amongst them to trigger them to see if they'll come say something to you. Look at all these, look at hey. all these Dr. Wynn people. Yeah, that was like his fucking hobby at Gym Con, and he would get such a kick out of it. It was pretty funny. It was like I'm a guessing, real life control. I'm guessing they have, like, Magic the Gathering there. Is that a thing? They have everything yeah. there, Scott. Yeah, yeah. you need to do a trauma documentary on the amount of damage those fucking Magic the Gathering nerds do on the bathrooms there. <laughs> Just the fucking... <laughs> horrifying steamer loads they blow that place up with oh my god that's that's real that's the type of biological event that births like ebola or something it's gonna be so fun just turds in there that are just made of nothing but cheeto dust and mountain dew it's just like a fluorescent orange green sawdust looking turd it's just totally just nothing but cheeto dust and mountain dew Ugh. <laughs> you're gonna teenage mutant ninja turtles were my kids <laughs> right there you're gonna Speaker get to 
<laughs> you're gonna get those poor poor fucking like plumbers that are gonna go in there like what the fuck ate through these pipes like this it's gonna <laughs> dude it's gonna look like fucking aleppo in there man it's gonna look like the sod regime just kimbo on that place <laughs> that's gonna be so fucked up <laughs> wear a diaper wear one of those adult diapers like that crazy lady wore get a man pond <laughs> get a big old man pond and just hold it ryan don't go in there don't slip. But um, I think Samson's coming up for Saturday, so he's going to be staying with me and going to Gen Con on Saturday. And then uh, Dave Stolarski, my buddy from Michigan, he's coming down for the same day, so they're going to both spend the night at my place. So after we get done with Gen Con, going to the vendor hall, we'll probably go eat dinner and then come back to my, my house and game all night. And then uh, Jason Tick, who's a listener, and if you are paying any attention to Facebook posts for heresy shit, yep. you've probably seen him post. He's uh, he's coming down to visit with me and maybe play some games with us, and then um, I'm hoping the the other Dark Age podcast, the new Ashkelon Radio. I think Jay and Chad are going to swing by and try to play some Dark Age with us. Um, if I'm going to definitely see them there at the convention anyway, um, so we're going to meet up and at least meet and talk to them. But I'm hoping to come uh, play some games with us too. So trying to trying to make the most of the weekend and seeing a lot of people I don't normally see and get a lot of cool gaming in for, you know, all kinds of games. Wow, Ryan. Sounds like you're in for one hell of a weekend coming up. Can't wait to I hear am. the well, I can't gotta, wait to hear the breakdown of fucking Gen Con. Yeah. So do you three dudes uh, need any like ninja shopping done? Is there anything that you need I can add to my battle plan? No. Nothing. Nothing I can think of. Okay. I had a few, a couple of our patron guys hit me up, so I'm going to try to take care of them while I'm there. Fuck yeah. So, that's all I got. Well, alright. So, I've got a couple stories for you guys. So, and, and, and just so just trigger warning for, for listeners out there right now, this isn't, you know, 30k related or anything like that. But, uh, so this past weekend... I went to New Orleans, which I think Ryan put it right when he said, you know, it's it's really hyped up, like it's overrated. But I mean, it was a good time. I did have a great time in New Orleans. Like, don't get me wrong. There was a, it smelled like piss and like in a lot of places, and uh, it was very hot and sweaty. But uh, I uh, Michael's I, being nice. I think New Orleans is Fallout Las Vegas. I'm sorry <laughs> if you live there, but this is the truth. If you played the Fallout Las Vegas games, that's fucking New Orleans. That's just being honest. I've been a lot of places, and that's one place I don't care to go back to. Go ahead and finish your story, Mike. <laughs> so, so I had two stories that like really stuck in my mind that I thought would be like really fun to share with the podcast and share with you guys because I thought uh, I thought you'd get a pretty good kick out of it. So, Ryan, when you were in New Orleans, did you go to the uh, La Larue Mansion? Lady La La Rue. No, I was only there. I was only there for two and a half days. I'd won a contest through the UFC, and we went there for the UFC uh, fan expo. And then they had like fights, and it was all on UFC and Bud Light's dime. So we had like all you could drink Bud Light for the entire weekend at a free <laughs> hotel, and they flew us down there and all that shit. And um, so a lot of the time we were doing like because you were kind of like together as a group with the UFC and Bud Light and all that shit. So we didn't have a lot of free time just to do whatever. Oh, fuck. Like, how, like I'm more curious on what you had to do to like win that contest. 
Like, was there like a drawing? Uh, like, did they not? They, yeah, it was just like a. It was just like a drawing, but a shitload of people won because the state or the arena that the fight was in, the entire crowd was all contest winners. Like the UFC and Bud Light put the entire event on just for this contest. So anybody that was there was a winner. So I think there was like sixteen thousand people there. So sixteen thousand people that entered won. Um, and they, it was you and somebody else. You could take one other person. So obviously, I took my wife. Um, my mistress was busy that weekend. Uh, so, uh, anyway, like that part of it was cool. Like I couldn't believe like fucking there's a lot of money in beer. Cause fucking Bud Light just straight like rolled out the red carpet. And the craziest thing was they had a lot of the fighters, like super well-known fighters were like the bartenders at the UFC expo thing. So they had this huge fucking bar. Um, with all the fighters in there. So, like, uh, Demetrius Johnson was there. Joseph Benavides was there. Matt Mitrione was there. Uh, John Finch was there. A um, couple of the uh, women fighters. There there was just a ton. I can't even remember all the fighters that were there. But you just go up to the bar, and all the beer was free. you just tell them whatever you wanted. It was all Budweiser products. You know, and then you could sit and talk with the fighters and shit. I, I sat and talked to Matt Mitrione for a long time because he uh, lives in Indiana. Um, super nice dude. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. That part of it was, but I was just shocked at how, uh, dirty everything was like outside. I was not super impressed with the state of the city and like everything you hear about, like the food and all that. Like I just was not at all impressed, but (laughs) it's fucking crazy. Like that you like went on this, like, high class trip where everything was fucking free and still you're like yeah you. <laughs> everything smells like yeah. piss well, if, if that puts it in perspective like if, if I'd have fucking paid I'd have been super pissed so I mean I went for free on somebody else's dime and had the red carpet rolled out for me and I was still like this is the last place I would want to come back and visit just being real <laughs> Look. I will say that the people were extremely nice like everybody we met was super cool like all the staff just people on the street would say hi like we talked like there wasn't we didn't meet like as far as that like people being rude or whatever because that's my complaint about like fucking chicago and shit like there's a lot of people up there that have their heads in their ass uh same thing when we went out to california uh but as far as like people wise everybody was cool as shit like it was cool for that i was just the actual city itself just smelt like fucking piss and vomit Emily, we walked down Bourbon Street, walked down it, and back, and she had to throw her shoes away. They were that nasty. <laughs> that's not a, that's, I'm not making that up. That's 100% true. She had, like, those, like, white, she had, like, some white, uh, those, like, almost, like, Converse canvasy style shoes, and we walked down Bourbon Street and back, and she had to throw them away. They were that disgusting. They were not salvageable. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, my, uh... I had to keep telling my friend. I was. I kept telling her. I was like, "That's puke. There's puke right there. <laughs> Watch out. That's puke. You don't don't step in that." Yeah, it was. Uh, There's a lot of puke everywhere. Uh, speaking of shoes, like this little sidebar here. Uh, if anybody, anybody, all you listeners out there right now, if anybody ever comes up to you and says, "They bet they can tell you what town and place you got your shoes." And then if don't do not bet them, tell them you know exactly where your shoes are. They're in Louisiana because that that got me. That fucked me up. This guy rolled up on me. He goes, 
Hey, I bet you I can tell you what's what town and state you got your shoes in. And I said, no, nah, I bet you can't. He goes, yeah, yeah, I can. You got them in New Orleans. They're on your feet in New Orleans, Louisiana. And then he threw Tresemme, like, conditioner on my shoes, like, hair conditioner, and started cleaning my shoes right there. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Like, get it? You got your shoes here. Like, they're here. It, it was just, it was ridiculous. And then he told me, he goes, <laughs> after, immediately afterwards, he goes, yeah, it's going to be $20 for the shoe shine. I was like, no, it's <laughs> not at all. Like, it's, <laughs> you just squirted hair conditioner on my fucking shoes and just started cleaning my shoes for me. I got six bucks I'll give you out of kindness of my heart, but <laughs> I ain't going to. But that, that wasn't the shoe store. I just had to let everybody know that. Just tell the dude who's telling you that, yeah, I know where my shoes are. Don't let them fuck you. Don't let them fuck you. So anyway, check out the story. If they do fuck you, does it cost more than six dollars? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't find out. I'm pretty sure okay. I could have though. <laughs> so, anyway, so this is a story that I feel that, that that a lot of people don't know about. So there's this mansion there called the Lala Rue Mansion, right? And you don't get to go inside or anything like that. It's on the haunted ghost tour, but our tour guide Tommy like really like knew a lot about this mansion he was like super cool he's like let's go to the mansion before everybody starts going there i'll tell y'all some crazy stories about it and all this shit so the lalaroo mansion i don't know if you ever watched uh american horror story but basically like the lalaroo mansion had this uh this surgeon that lived there with his wife and his wife was like super wealthy and they, they were both wealthy and apparently they had like they threw these parties every weekend and as they're throwing these parties all these people that would go to the parties would be like man dude they've got a lot of slaves like they've got way more slaves than this house needs like they'd only they were like only it was a house big enough it was a three-story mansion but it's like they only really need like five or six slaves to run this whole like place but they had like 23 slaves all the time and then every time they throw this party they'd be like Man, those are some new like slaves. Like they, they, it's never the same slave. So one day, apparently, uh, the neighbor hears screaming and looks out her window and sees a twelve-year-old uh, girl, slave girl, hanging from the third-story balcony or third-story gallery is what it's actually called. I don't know. I don't know the difference between gallery and balcony. Whatever. But uh, hanging from the third-story gallery, and Miss La Larue or whatever her name is is like whipping the hands of the slave girl. And then finally, like, the slave girl falls and then falls to her death. And the neighbor, you know, being from the 1930s or 1830s, is, oh, my word, and, like, runs down to the police station to get some police there. Police show up, and they're like, oh, hey, uh, we heard that you killed a 12-year-old girl in your backyard. And Miss LaLaRue, being, like, the billionaire she is at the time, or I guess millionaire, which would be, like, a billionaire at the time, is like, no, I didn't do that. That's just crazy talk. And he's like, well, we're going to have to pull your slaves aside and we're going to have to ask him. And so they pull, like, out of the 23 slaves, nine of them are like, yeah, she whips us and she doesn't follow this code of, like, slave law, which is, like, you can't work us on Sundays and stuff like that. And, like, just throws this lady under the bus. And then this lady's so crazy and evil that, like, whenever... So th- so these, these officers, they take her slaves and they're like, okay, well, these people are saying you're breaking the law 
and they're saying you're doing this, so we're going to take them from you and we're going to resell them off to somebody else. And so she's such a crazy lady that these people turned on her that she makes like a bunch of her rich friend buy those slaves back to give them to her. And then those slaves are never seen again. Like, so that's just step one how crazy this lady is, right? That's step one? That's step one. It gets crazier. She gets she gets crazier. And then this story involves Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so just stick with me, boys. What the fuck? <laughs> Nicolas Cage will get worked into this story. Just hang with me. So anyway, so then uh, she's throwing another party a few weeks later, and smoke starts rolling into the mansion, right? And it's a big deal if smoke's rolling into your house because, for one, your kitchen wasn't attached to your house, according to Tommy, the tour guide I was with. Like, you would not have a kitchen inside your house because you want to protect your investment. You don't want your shit burning down. You put the kitchen on the outside of the house. And so if smoke's rolling in there, that means you got a massive fire somewhere in your kitchen outside. So they all run down to go get the, like, the fire dudes, the firemen. And he's like, hey, there's a fire. You know, you can go, go help. And so the firemen get in there, you know, like, beedo, beedo. And they start, you know, putting the fire out and all that stuff. And they find out that this little old slave woman who was chained to the oven started this fire. And they're like, Why'd you, why did you start a fire? And they realize she's got, a, like, a kettle full of her own feces sitting next to her. Her own feces and excrement, like, and, like y- y- everything. Like, she's got a, a, a kettle of her excrement. And they're like, first off, what, what's with the black pot? What's in there? Secondly, why did you start this fire? And so this, this poor little slave lady says, I was trying to kill myself. I've been chained to this oven for like a week or two weeks or whatever. Uh, I don't get to eat the food. And like, I'm star- like they're starving me here. They make me use this kettle. And I have to prepare all of the Mrs. LaLaRue's food. And I was preparing all this food for the party. And Miss LaLaRue saw me, uh, saw me eat some of the food and told me that she was going to take me to the third story. And I would rather die than go to the third story. And so, like, the cops are, like, the firemen are like, whoa, that's a crazy story. Let's go get the police because uh, that's weird as fuck. And so the police get there and they, like, explain to the police what's going on. And these, uh, the police confront Mr. LaLaRue or LaLaRue, whatever his name is, and the surgeon. They're like, hey, what's up with that third story? We hear there's some, some strange shit going up there. And, uh, he says, there's nothing going on up there, don't worry. He tries to Jedi mind trick him. And they said, no, no, for real, what's going on up there? Because this is the second slave incident we've had in like two weeks. What's what's going on? And apparently he comes back and says, you know, some people just need to mind their own business. And so they're like, oh, really? Fuck you. So they go up to the third story, kick the door down, and there's like 26 slaves in a state of like, saw movie like they're like like crucified to the wall there's like some that have had their bones broken and are like stuffed in boxes some of them are in a chair with their like intestines wrapped around them and all this stuff like just bonker stuff and like i thought this was going to be like a scary story like i thought this was like just like something that like kind of made it around the traps a little bit too much so it just got like over embellished over embellished over and over again but no, the New York Times covered this shit. And like the, the the Louisiana Bee. Like this is all like in the papers. Like this is exactly what they found. 
and like it hasn't been embellished since like since that day like this is exactly like how it went down so these cops are like holy shit like this lady's murdering people like left and right and her husband the surgeon is doing all these like experiments on them like they've got like sticks in their heads like where like their holes were drilled in their brains and like they've like you know make trying to figure out how to make people move and all this stuff like just insane stuff right and so they're like okay time to go arrest this lady and like you know that like word gets around what's going on so a lynch mob's ready to kill this lady and then uh they take off in a, a stagecoach bust through the fence and then takes off into the darkness and never to be seen again like she didn't even get caught like just bonker shit right so anyway, that sounds like uh, there's a guy named H. H. Holmes that did some crazy like he had, he built like a murder mansion with like traps and shit. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to read another freaky story, read about him. But so this is something you can like look up on Wikipedia and read about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll post the link up. So anyway, anyway, so we're hearing about this mansion, right? So they're telling us about like how the mansion, like who, like we're thinking, like who the fuck lives there, like who the fuck would live there. So it turns out it was a uh, it was a it was a school at one point for like kids and then like it was like a it was a mixed race school and then finally it just went like unused for a while and then somehow or another somebody swindles Nicolas Cage into buying this house. And so like Nicolas Cage is like, What? Mansion for like five hundred grand? Bought it. So this is like, you know, back when he's got uh face off money you know he's doing well for himself <laughs> you know like face off money <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't ghost rider this isn't ghost rider nicholas cage this is con air nicholas cage stooped to the lows <laughs> of ghost rider yeah so anyway so good old nick cage decides like you know fuck yeah i'm gonna live in this house so nick cage moves into the house like get like his first night there he feel like he hears scratches he hears screams like there's people walking around in chains and like he's like hallucinating seeing and all this shit. So he goes, fuck this talk, moves catty corner to the house uh, above this place called Vierte Marte, which is like a place that sells sandwiches. He lives in the apartment above that and pays people to move his shit out of the house, like to get it out of there. Like, he's like, fuck that. I'm not going back in that house. Right. So anyway, in the process of him buying this house and moving across the street, he finds out that his guy that's supposed to pay his taxes wasn't paying the taxes. So, like, Nicolas Cage finds out, like, holy fuck, what do you mean that the fucking government's going to come and take all my assets? And so, like, it caught him in this, like, real weird stage where, like, Nicolas Cage is going through the whole, like, uh, the whole bankruptcy thing, you know, where he's getting all of his assets seized and shit like that. So... Nicholas Cage ends up blaming this house. He blames that this house cursed him, and that's why he did Ghost Rider. Like, well, <laughs> like he blames this house for cursing him, and that's why he, uh, like, he, he blames. Like, that's why he's bankrupt. It's because his fucking house, because he's cursed from this house, right? Jesus. So, like, he's going around Louisiana trying to like get people to take this curse off of him. Like, this is, and so I'm like, what the fuck? And this. And our tour guide goes, yeah, man, Nick Cage used to sit on the gallery, which is like a balcony, directly catty corner, and just stare at that fucking house at night until, like, 
you know, two or three in the morning, he'd just be sitting out there just staring at this fucking house, staring the house down because that's how much he hated this fucking house. And so, like, my, my tour guide has been doing this for a while. He said, yeah, you know, me and my friends, we'd finish up our tours at night and we would go to the bar and, like, you know, it's like three o'clock, you know, we'd be like the last people running around. It would be like, hey, do you want to go see if Nick Cage is being crazy again? And they'd be like, fuck yeah, we want to go see if Nick Cage is being crazy again. And they'd go walk up. Then <laughs> he'd just be sitting there just fucking staring this house down. So like for a while, like, it was a thing to go like check out Nick Cage staring this fucking house down, pissed off that it fucking cursed him. So, and that, like, that's real. That's, that is, you can't fucking not share that fucking story. That is fucking wild. <laughs> That's a good one. And and by the way, books. yes, you can listen to, like you can read about Nick Cage owning that fucking house in, uh, in, on the, on the wiki there. But, but yeah, some wild ass shit. Second story I got for you guys real quick. I saw a fucking floating trash bag. A full fucking trash bag floating. In the water or in the air? In the air. Like, somebody was fucking carrying it. I have no explanation for what happened. I photoshopped it to try and explain it to my dad what it looked like. But I have no fucking explanation for what it was or what happened. I thought it was somebody, like, doing a trick. I thought it was a shtick. I have no idea what the fuck was going on. But, but yeah. Like, it was full of trash or just full of air? It was full of trash. Full of garbage. Beer bottles, everything like that. I watched it walk itself to the curb and set itself down on the side of the curb. Me, me and my friend both did. We watched it in front of us. I thought, because I've been seeing like people doing magic tricks all day. I've been seeing people like walking on stilts, doing weirdo shit. Like I saw like weird shit all fucking day. I thought, oh, this is like a shtick. Like somebody's gonna do something. Like this is funny. Like, and then I realized like we were the only people on the street watching this thing, fucking float and set itself down. <laughs> then I walked up to the trash bag to inspect the trash bag to see how it had done it. And there was no strings or anything attached to it. It was just a normalized trash bag. Hmm. New Orleans is a weird know. place, people. Oh. I don't really know. <laughs> like, yeah, man, that's a brain teaser. Yeah. Poor ghost taking out trash. So, not the worst thing you could be doing. <laughs> but other than that, piss everywhere. <laughs> a lot of piss. Everything smelled like pee. <laughs> But <laughs> other than that, dude, World War Two Museum was badass, dude. Fucking, uh, I know. Um, they have a cool insect museum. I went to the insect museum thing down there. That was pretty neat. Oh. That was right off Bourbon Street. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, that uh, Tim would have a great time at that World War Two Museum, dude. There's fucking tanks everywhere. There's like a B-52 that hangs above you. There's Mustangs that are hovering. It's fucking badass. It was a cool museum. If you get a chance, go for the museum. But hey, man, I gotta go. <laughs> no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna trust Ryan. I, I gar- everyone knows. All right, first off, everyone knows he remembers it better than I do. It's just <laughs> the way it is. It's just the way his mind works. Fucking definitely. I'm not gonna add anything. I'm just gonna kind of fumble through what I think. I, well, what would you, you do hobby progress wise? He already said. He already put his. I already told you. Yeah, I spent 20 minutes looking for my car today. I couldn't find where I parked it. So I'm not gonna remember that game, <laughs> but he will. He will. 
I pop my trunk and everything, but on the Corolla, your trunk doesn't open, so that's not a countermeasure for me anymore. So when I'm fucking out of it, I'm. <laughs> but you guys have a nice night. I'll see you next week. You have a good one, Scott. Later, Scott. Scott. <laughs> pop the trunk, like hoping it's gonna be like a little flag. That's what you need. Like you need like a a, a spring loaded like. A l- like, like, <laughs> shoots out confetti and shit so he can pop his Balloons. trunk and his. <laughs> 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 okay, so since Scott had to bounce out, we knew we were going to only have him for a short amount of time. I really should have saved one of those uh, Louisiana stories. But we're going to go ahead and cock tease you guys for a little bit. We're going to hold off on the Orc versus Iron Hands throwdown story so that way Scott can be available when he tells it so you're just gonna have to stay tuned till next episode 68 to hear that but uh for right now yeah we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and we got we still got Derek who's gonna tell us about the goalers weekend so yeah, i'm still here so we'll go ahead and do that but we do have voicemails Hopefully better score than this hobby progress <laughs> we can only hope god damn it Derek, i can only talk for so brain. long i'm saving it up all right well it- Get it right, or we're going to replace you with, like, a toad I catch in my yard or some shit. <laughs> we're just going to have Kitty just fucking meowing into the fucking microphone. Yeah. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch a toad, name it P-Hole, Derek. I'm going to sit it next to me and put a camera on it, and we'll just do the podcast. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be mad about that. I did, I did that. <laughs> All right. Let's jump to some voicemails, and we will go from there. talking about bear stuff uh perfect for getting me watching looking over my shoulder and watching my back um you guys definitely had some good advice but you're uh you're forgetting one thing so definitely don't run you want to make yourself be as big as possible look as big as possible and butt clench you, this is the key you need to butt clench because uh it's definitely butt pr- <laughs> clenching and praying when you're going through a situation where you suddenly walk down the trail and a bear comes around the corner definitely something i've run into but anyway good advice love the show as always keep up the great work see you guys (laughs) aj solid advice on the butt clinch solid solid advice but i highly doubt that every time you've seen a bear you fucking bowed up to it immediately (laughs) like a fucking boss just got all big like oh what bear what you don't want none of this? <laughs> you don't want none of that? <laughs> like what? Bullshit! Like there's, like no. I bet you every time you've seen a bear, you go, "Oh fuck, fuck, fuck!" Oh, it didn't see me. Hope oh, it didn't see me. And fucking back. Now I'm imagining him doing like goofy karate katas, like Mac from Only Sunny, like at the bear. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly like bulking in front of the bear. Just, oh, you want some of this? Like <laughs> just fucking flexing. Oh. And that bear's like, God damn, that dude works out. I'm out of here. <laughs> My favorite was the person, somebody posted the video of the mountain lion, like, walking around in Sequoia National Park and coming across the mountain lion on yeah. the trail. Fuck they that. posted it on, he was on I, of course, podcast. And the conversation that the people, have, the guy's like, oh, oh. And he's like, what do we do? And the other person is like, 
I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's so stupid. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't fucking just stand there and have a conversation about what you should do whether there's a giant fucking murderous cat staring you down. <laughs> That's probably not what you do. <laughs> Dude, I don't... That's funny. I don't even fucking trust my own cat, like, whenever she's giving me the look that that fucking mountain lion was giving them. Like, if my house cat was looking at me like that mountain lion in that fucking video, I'm, like, I'm on fucking high alert. Like, I'm like, oh, were you in this room? Hold on, I'll leave. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know what you're planning. Like, I don't... Did you, is your food bowl empty? What's What's wrong? Talk to me. Like, don't fucking kill me. I don't know what your plans are. So, yeah, that mountain lion that was in that video, I'll post that video. Like, I'll post that video to the wall. That was pretty fucking scary. I'd shit my pants. Like, I would have failed the butt clinch test, like AJ said. Yeah. Anyway. We got another one. Hey, guys. Jordan here out Salt Lake City Studio. Paul, uh, just Salt Lake City Gladiator Games. Game coming up. I'm glad Clash of the Tetons went good. That sounded like a fucking blast. Somebody sent us some pictures from that, that event, man. I'm, I'm really down to see how that went down. And then, of course, if you're in Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City Gladiator Games, go check him out and on Facebook. Get it, get into that event. Looks like he's looking for some peeps going on. So that that's pretty exciting. Go uh, Go check out Jordan. He'll get you hooked up. I do want to see some pictures in the Clash of the Tetons event. Definitely, definitely, someone needs to send us some pictures. For real. Kind of interested to see what the meta looks like nowadays. Yeah, I've not played uh, the furthest west I've been. Percy was down there and stuff with you guys. Yeah, I know how uh, I know how they do it in uh, in Hoosier territory. I don't know how they do it over. In uh, in Cali, and Utah. Yeah, most of my events are here in the Midwest because you know I'm lucky enough to have a Depticon nearby, and then the Michigan GT is a big event. I think it's almost uh, sold out this year. There was only 12 people at the Michigan GT last year, and I think six of them were my guys. So, so we were basically half Michigan, half Indiana guys. And I think this year there's only like 10 spots left, and I want to say it was like a 30, 40 spot event. So it's I think it's was is a forty person event. I think don't hold me to that, but I think it's like triple or quad like triple attendance this year. Wasn't uh isn't Nova ninety people signed up? All ninety spots are taken up, something like that. Uh, there's over ninety individuals signed up for Nova. Is what was said for Heresy. So Nova is a lot bigger this year too. It's fucking badass, dude. It's fucking growing, dude. Everybody out there that says Eighth Edition took their Heresy love, like people are still playing Heresy. Non fucking stop. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably different different areas, but 
I mean, it's not slowed down at all here, and every event I've been to that I went to in the past is all bigger this year. Fucking titties. All right, so I got this story that was sent in from an Emily Kimmel to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This was a surprise to me, by the way. I found out before the show started. Um, I'm going to have to like probably watch what I say on here now. And my wife just recently started listening to the podcast and um, I didn't know that she did. And like some things come up in conversation and I'm thinking, how did she know that? And I was trying to think, when did I say that? And then I was like, oh, she, she listens to the show. Sneaky. She didn't tell me. It's being sneaky. So, yeah. So now so she's going on. <laughs> now she's now you're going to have a conversation about Nick Cage. You're gonna be like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Patreon supporter? <laughs> she says her favorite part of the show is when Scott tells a story that he thinks is funny. You can barely understand it because he starts laughing before the story's over. <laughs> um, she likes that. So that's her favorite part of the show. That's my favorite part, too. Uh, so anyway, here's his story, Ryan. It says, Hi, Michael. It's Ryan's wife, Emily. I heard you didn't have any voicemails from your podcast last time, so I thought I would send in a story. Feel free to use it or not. I would have left a voicemail, but I'm terribly I'm a terrible storyteller, so I know I would have messed it up if I tried to tell it over the phone. Uh, when I was in college, I was no doing, comment. <laughs> when I was in college, I was doing my internship at another cake shop. While working there one day, I received a phone call from a gentleman inquiring about a cake. First of all, just let me say that we did all types of cakes there, including some risque designs for bachelor bachelorette parties. Anyway. He informed me that he was having a bachelor party and was interested in a topless woman cake. We had done several of them before, so I told him that wasn't a problem. He goes on to say that before ordering, he had some questions about the design. He wants to know things like how big the boobs are and what size are the nipples, color, etc. So me, being a naive 18-year-old and trying to be a good employee, very politely answer his question and he tells, and tells him he can have whatever size he wants, color, etc. He goes on to ask me a few more cake-related questions, which I answer. Then he says that he might need some <laughs> need a penis cake as well for another party. But he has some questions regarding this size as well, design, that design as well. He needs to know length, girth, pubic hair, or shaved, etc. I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable at this point, so I just tell him it would really be best if he could come in and pick something out instead of trying to discuss it over the phone. He then tells me in a very serious voice he would prefer to discuss it over the phone. And he needs for me to be very slowly describe in every detail every feature of this cake back to him so he knows exactly what it will look like. At this point, I realize this dude's a total creeper, and I hang up immediately. I'm disgusted and just sit there thinking, what the fuck? Then I realize I just hung up on a customer, and this could somehow get back to my boss. My boss is pretty laid back, but I wanted to tell her my side of the story of what just happened, just in case he called back to complain. I told her everything he said, and her response was, oh, don't worry about it. That guy calls all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All I could think about was, how did this guy get so desperate? Even porn wasn't doing it for him anymore, and the last resort was to get off was to call a cake shop and have them describe penis cakes to him. So that's my story. You also might remind your listeners not to get any bright ideas. I will come find them and start if I start getting calls at work. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like fuck, that is desperate. Like what is that is fucking way desperate. 
how many veins how many veins does the cake have <laughs> like describe describe uh, a i've been trying to get her on the show to tell her story all the time because it's so fucking funny to me because we were dating at the time and i remember her calling me and she's like you won't believe what happened what just happened <laughs> and she tells me and i start dying laughing like I didn't know she like wanted me to defend her honor or be upset, but I just thought it was the most hilarious thing ever that some dude was calling cake shops to get women to explain detailed in about cake breasts so he could get off. <laughs> it's just like, it was so funny. <laughs> He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm hard of listening. Tell me slower about this cake. <laughs> Tell me slower. <laughs> How would? Oh. Well, Emily, thank you for that story. I we had a creeper caller that would call in when I worked over at Sprint. It'd be this poor old lady, man. I felt so bad for her because we knew it was her calling in, and like, I shit you not, like, it would be twelve o'clock, one o'clock at night, and she'd call in, and it was this like EA Games account would pull up every time she called in. So like, she had an EA Games, uh, she had an EA Games phone. So like, I don't know if her like son worked there or whatever. But uh, this lady would call in, and the ol- the only thing she would say on the phone, if you were a girl, she'd immediately hang up on you, right? But if you were a guy, okay, she'd go, "Do you like music?" <laughs> and like you're just like, "Uh, yeah." And then she goes, "Okay." And then this is what happened. <laughs> she just start fucking playing like violins for you, like in your fucking ear. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, do you like music? <laughs> Still remember that creepy ass old lady. We had a tally board of like how many times she called in, and like you, she could call in like eight, nine times a night, just back to back. Huh? That was her evening. Was she just senile? I don't know what the fuck she was, man. She liked to play us her music though, and sometimes like the guys would like you know because a lot of people didn't like to uh, take calls, and everybody knew if like a lady called in like or if some uh, a customer called in multiple times then you probably weren't going to get surveyed for her because, you know, somebody else was going to get the survey. And so they would just, like, hang out on her line and just, like, have this, like, old-timey fucking violin music just playing on their phone <laughs> while they went, like, to break or something. That poor old lady. So, I feel I feel you. <laughs> I feel you, Emily. I feel you. I've had friends that work at businesses where they have to be on the phone so much because they're supposed to be making sales calls. So they would set it up where they would call one of their friends and just bullshit with one of their friends to like to log time. <laughs> I do that right now. Like I'm so like I'm so I was I spent so long in the call center life that like I tell like people like if if I'm talking on the phone with them and they're doing like a really good job, I'm like, hey, do you want me to hold on the line for like 20 minutes so you can go like to break real quick or something? <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like I was like. I know you already fucked up your average handle time, so I'll just like hang out on the phone for you, so you can go, uh, go do whatever. And sometimes they take me up on it, like you'll do that, like yeah, I'll hang out, like I'll just put you on hold. And like, okay, <laughs> like they'll go get like a drink or use the restroom or whatever. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> Thanks, bro. No problem. You did great. Keep the good work. Uh, so anyway, great story, man. I'm glad we got that story. That was nice. So. That's all we have for voicemails. That's it. And we all we have for stories. Uh, Derek, I'm super curious to hear about this uh, this event you went and played at. Like, this was your first Heresy game, right? 
it was my first time actually sitting down and rolling some dice with Harry. So yeah. Okay, so I know for a fact that you're a 40k player. Like I, I, I know that yeah. I, I, I like to think that we brought you into the game, like a newborn child. Yeah, you can think that. Okay. Uh, I mean, you did, but <laughs> okay. Just need to make sure you <laughs> confirm that. So, uh, so tell me, man. Like, what happened? What? What? Tell us about this little vet you played at. All right. So first, I need to preface this with uh, a big shout out. So uh, those of you who listened last week know that uh, Dan called it or uh, sent us an email about his Space Wolves list. And I was like, yeah, Carrie's Contemptor, I don't know that I'd go for it. You know, I'm, I'm just like, I don't think that's a strong piece in general. Not like talking about how he was using it or anything. Well, I spent all weekend wishing I had that Carrie's Contemptor. <laughs> that, that bit me on the ass immediately. Like, so I'm from 5th edition. I, I don't get all this like flyer shenanigans that's been going around like that's that's something like i can read the rules for it yeah but it it didn't really take like i didn't really internalize it until i'm still like just round after round is you know lightning and uh fire raptors i'm just like fuck so uh actually you know my space holes aren't done yet i've got a, a couple units put together things like that but josh was so kind as to let me use his world eaters and so he built me up a list, you know, did all that good stuff. And so I'm kind of jamming out in Battlescribe, get that print out so I can get all the rules in one spot. Uh, I learned Battlescribe will lie to you. Okay. I, I learned that the hard way. But, uh... People are still using Battlescribe? <laughs> what? what? Battlescribe? Wow. Okay. I thought it was all about that Quartermaster. You have to if you don't have an iPhone, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got that Samsung. Gross. <laughs> Green bubble. Anyway. So yeah, I'm using this World Eaters list. It's a, uh, I'm not sure how he wrote it up, but when I got like the units for it, it was, uh, he just had Galen Serlak and Angron as the like independent characters. And I saw that he was a support officer. So I'm like, okay, so, you know, Primarch's chosen. Good, good, good. Get that all worked up, print it out. So I get there and first game I played was against some, uh, uh, Emperor's Children. And he saw that I had, you know, a Charybdis with Red Butchers, Galen Serlac, Angron. He's like, okay, I know it's, it's going to happen. So he turtles up in a corner, gets his, like, anti-air, his carries Dreadnought, his uh, Derradeo. He's like, all right, just bring him in and blast the shit out of him. It's all going to be good. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. So, like, you went in with, like, straight up, like, drop pod meta, like, out the gate. Yeah, I mean, I played a lot of drop pods in the past, so I mean, something I was kind of comfortable with. Uh, so what he had set me up with was that Charybdis, uh, two Anvilus with Legion Terminators in them, and then two Deathstorm drop pods, and then I'd like two Rhinos with just uh, Legion tactical squads. Let me ask you this real quick: Did you or have you watched Just the Tips with Ryan? Yes, I have watched the Just the Tips as far as using the uh, Heat Blast. Okay, okay. So so for all of you out there listening right now, and I didn't realize that it had been so long since Just the Tips with Ryan came out that uh that like we've got new listeners now that hadn't seen this. So if you go to warhammer30k.com, it'll take you to the Forgotten Legion YouTube channel, and Ryan has a series on there called Just the Tips with Ryan. And it's a series of like how to 
you know, takeout nights, how to use Anvilus, how to use Charybdis. There's a whole, it's a whole section of Ryan Kimball Tactica that he made for you guys. And like just this past week, our Patreon supporters were talking about Anvilus and how they, you should use Anvilus. And I was like, did you know Ryan wrote a fucking series on how to use Anvilus? <laughs> and they're like, no, I didn't. Like I had no fucking idea. So, so for all you listeners out there, just go to warhammer30k.com. Go check those videos out. Ryan put a lot of work into them, and they're super informative. Like, I mean, it, it'll tell, it'll teach you. Like, Ryan, you made them, so do you want to plug them or what your point was? Yeah. Uh, well, it's it, it's both how to use them and how to defend against them. So it's both. So it's not just like. Uh, so it, it teaches you kind of like, I don't know, counters, and then more counters to counter those counters, and basically goes really in depth on how to you know use a lot of that stuff and also read the comments because like there was a one of the videos i messed up a a rule in there it's not the the rule that i messed up in question wasn't the point of that specific video but i did mess that rule up and somebody pointed it out so i basically read the comments so that because if i caught any mistakes or whatever i just went in i didn't reshoot the video i just went in and uh addressed it in the comments um but uh yeah uh that's that's really about it it's just that one video that i i messed up a rule on what it was was i was just explain i was trying to explain something else but i i was just going through the steps and i did this heat blast thing and then got out of the drop pod and you're not allowed to get out after you heat blast you either have to get out or heat blast you can't do both in the same turn for sure. So. so so if you guys are interested in in any of this, he's got a bunch of different different tactica in there. You've got Dreadclaw Tactica, uh, the open top, sneaky Pete, Flyers versus Knights, uh, Knights one oh one, Knights one oh two, uh, the Sneaky Pete, setting up the screen, disembarking in a difficult terrain, double box cock block, the Triceratops, herding the sheep. And the metal box cock block. So, like, go check that out, guys. There's a whole bunch of different ways on how to improve your 30K game. The, the, a lot of the night stuff changed because this was pre-FAQ, just so people know. Yeah. Before they had a, before they had a weird arcs. Yeah, and then it changed some other stuff with them, too. Um, also, some people get triggered over part of the Sneaky Pete, like... Like the twin-linked weapon thing, but I mean, I don't. I mean, that's just how it is. Like, I don't really know how to tell them. Yeah. Like, it's something that Games Workshop should have addressed, and they haven't. So, I mean, it's it's in the book. And when I sh- shot those videos, it's not an intention of being cheesy. The intention is, if you're undergunned, like if your friend brings an all-night army and you literally are not prepared for it and don't have the tools to deal with it like you need to find every small advantage within the rules you know to take care of it it's not about abusing the rules it's about using them as an underdog to make the game interesting and not just get fucking smashed yeah not to get fucking steamrolled by a null knight army it it's it's not about writing a list to take advantage of those rules i'm not saying go out and buy six sakarans because the guns are split apart you can use them to shoot apart knights because you can choose different barrels to fire from from different arcs like that's not something I would do. It's just if you have the tool available and you run across that scenario, keep it in mind that that's 
how it's written in the rule book. Yeah, guys. Go check it out. I'll post up a link right now to... Uh, I'll post it right now to the playlist to give it a go. But anyway, back to you, Derek. Yeah, so uh, the Emperor's Children, he basically turtled up in the corner, had all his stuff. He had, uh, I think, a Spartan with uh, uh, the Palantine blades in it. And I'm still kind of shaky on non-Space Wolf units. Like, I was reading up basically that day before I started playing on, you know, Red Butchers, Gallon Sirlac, all that good stuff. And uh, so my main mistake was I severely underestimated how just how fucking tough red butchers are yeah four up so i'm like four up save and feel no pain don't fuck around two wounds each yeah yeah well and if, if you had gallon Sirlac, i don't know where you had him but if he's in the unit with him there's feel no pain goes to a four up and if you're running crimson path it goes to a three up if you're in the enemy deployment zone yeah well i'm assuming you were if he was Turtle up in the corner. Which uh, which right of war? You, oh, I'm guessing. It, I went with uh, Primarch's chosen because Gallon Sirlac can't be a compulsory HQ. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. So, like I said, I misunderstood how fucking tough those guys were. So I held that in reserve. I deployed the two Death Storms and an Anvilus with the Legion Terminators in it, and I figured I would try to soften up a little bit, try to open up a hole where I could get that in there, and. So basically, those dropped down, and everything got blasted the fuck apart. And none of my reserves came in until, I think, turn four. Mm. So by the time I was able to actually get Angron on the board, basically the game had already been over at that point. How is your reserves held in reserve so long if you get... I mean, shit rolls. So what what did you have turn one? Uh, Turn one, I had the... So of my five drop pods... The two anvil or the one anvilus came in, and the two death storm came in, and then I had the two rhinos with the tax squads in them. Death storm drop pods, like the death storm drop pods. Oh, how did those perform? Well, <laughs> like I had later found out that Josh had added those into the list so that all three of the dread claws could come in turn one. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, like I said, I just didn't want to deep strike my big close combat unit in front of a wall of guns. Gotcha. So, in hindsight, if you were to play differently next time, would you just unleash hell into the enemy's face like World Eaters do? Yeah, I would have played World Eaters, and I would have followed all the advice that uh, Josh and Zach gave me like immediately after. Like, oh yeah, maybe you should just you know put Angron on the board and just you know put him where he can get into combat. I think you'd probably do a lot better. Okay, that's a that's a fair enough like. <laughs> Like you weren't, com- yeah, you weren't I, sure. I, like yeah, I get yeah. It. I I thought if I surely if I put this on the board, it's gonna get blasted apart with interceptor fire, and then all my guys are gonna get lit the fuck up before I can charge. So it sounds like f- your first game you didn't win. Oh no. Okay. No, I did I mean, not. Not a big deal, but you did that get one, like you won knowledge is what it sounds like. Yeah, that I needed that loss so that the rest of the games, so that the rest of that week weekend would go a lot better. Okay, so you played three games, right? Yes, sir. Tell us about game two. All what right. happened? Game two. Same list? Yeah, I was running the same list. Okay. Uh, I was running against uh, Iron Warriors, and he was using the uh, Achilles Alpha and a uh, Quad Mortars and a bunch of other stuff. So basically, now I know, all right, Charybdis, on board, turn one, going to be a good time. 
So I managed to get that like in the building where it's not within an inch of any of his guys, and I managed to get it right in between his quad mortars and his uh, uh, the Iron Warriors Terminators. I I forget what they're called. The Iron Warriors Terminators, tyrants. Yes, the the tyrants. Okay. And so I got pretty lucky with the heat blast. I ended up killing a couple of the Terminators, and uh, I knew things to the quad mortars on that. And then both anvilists just kind of sandwiched around those uh, the tyrants. And then he was able to pop all of the drop pods open on his next turn, but like it's all terminators on the board, so I didn't lose anything. And then that assault phase where it got real good. Basically, Angron ended up charging up into the building where the uh, where the quad mortars were, and just wiped that unit like he does. And then. Basically, one of my units of Terminators held on as long as they could. Uh, that one, all the objectives ended up being on pretty much the other side of the board, and those Terminators were the only scoring units I had because the uh, the attack squads were the uh, the augmented inductors. Yeah. So that one ended up being really close because uh, kill points ended up mattering on that. I ended up losing by one point because I couldn't get that uh, attack squad close enough to de deny him an object objective. And that objective ended up giving him the points to pull out. It ended up being like nine victory points to eight. So a lot closer than round one, but uh, I don't know. I still felt pretty good about that. Like everything, everything considered, I'm starting to do pretty good at this point. Uh, game three I ended up playing against uh, Raven Guard. And that one... That one's really interesting. That was a really mobile list with a. It had. Uh, Korax. Was this, was this Gators Raven Guard? The, this was, in fact, Gators Raven Guard. Okay, I know that list very well. Go ahead. So, you know, two assault squads, two big ass assault squads, and uh, Korax, you know, Marksman Vets infiltrating. So, turn one, he's got a single Death Strike or a Death Storm drop pod coming in. Because I guess his list was off by exactly enough points. Okay. He ended up looking at his list to kind of go over it with me to kind of show me what he's got. He's like, this is actually not the list I've got right here. So he ends up going over it. and So he just has a Death Storm drop pod now. Oh, okay. And I I'm cool with it. You know, I'm, I'm there to have fun, you know. <laughs> he goes, oh, is that Aircrod? Hold on. <laughs> this is my actual list. This is, this is the list I brought. I mean, probably. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I was there to have fun. I already had fun at that point, so. So all I had on the board, he ended up taking first turn. All I've got are those two rhinos, and I swear to God, I thought he was going to wipe them. Because he had those uh, marksman vets infiltrate up in their rhinos, and the death storm came in right on top of them, which ended up hole pointing out one and flat out exploding the other. Just from the death storm drop pod. So you're telling me on one How do you... Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. How does an AP-3 missile blow up a drop pod, or blow up a rhino? Oh, I don't think it blew it. I think it just, uh... Hole pointed out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I said, I was there to have fun. I've already, like... I'm having a hard enough time focusing on my own stuff because I have, like, never looked at World Eaters before. I'm trying to, like, remember everything. Like, I don't think it was until, like, halfway through game two I realized that Angron has, like, rage. Yeah, Angron's fucking bonkers. Not as bonkers as Lehman Russ, but bonkers. Yeah. Triggered. Somebody's triggered out there. <laughs> <laughs> somebody just, somebody just fucking shit their pants. What? <laughs> I mean, damn it. Lehman <laughs> Russ beats Angron. I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's, it's book seven, dude. 
<laughs> if you like Angron, then you'll <laughs> love Lehman Russ. <laughs> Welcome to book seven, faggots. <laughs> Just rude. Go but ahead. Yeah, so the story of that game was Angron fails his charge by one or two inches, even with the reroll from the butchers. So basically everything just runs away from Angron. Smart. As you know, as you would. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch of, bunch of dark. Angron gets his own Angron gets his own reroll there because he's got fleet, just so you know. Well, does that stack with the reroll from Red Butch- Red Butchers or What do you mean stack? You don't you can never reroll a reroll. I'm just telling yeah, yeah, you yeah. that Angron if he's on his own, he can reroll and then the Red Butchers can reroll as well. Okay. Yeah, I figured. I just Okay. Yeah. I, I know not to reroll a reroll. Did a, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing these are like Dark Furies running around, so pretty brutal close combat unit. Uh, I don't think they were Dark Furies. I think they were just regular assault squads. Oh, oh my. So then I don't know that list. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Did they have claws or did they have guns? They had guns. Swords? They, they had pistols and chainswords. Oh, okay. No, those were not Dark Furies. So, yeah. How'd they, Korax do? Did Korax do anything? Korax was really good at staying away from Angron. Did he go into any units? Did he do any damage? Like, I've never... Like, okay, so Ryan talks about Korax. Ryan likes Korax. I don't... I don't understand Korax. I want to build, build a Raven Guard army just to use that model to show people that it's good. It's, I just don't... I don't think people see it like I do. Like, I see the potential in it. I mean, all he really did was, like, wipe out half of one of my attack squads after he got shot to shit by some vets. And then he... Slow down, Korax. Then he blew up a... uh, (laughs) So, like, all three Deathstorm ended up coming in on, like, the same crater. Oh. Just because that's where all the models were. So he ended up blowing up one of those and tearing the explosion into his assault squads. Wow. So, Ryan, have you ever heard the word Deathstorm so many times in a battle report? Uh, no. I, like, I swear to God, there's three like, in a you crater. Know, you know what I think about them. Yeah, no, I was just like, I'm wondering what kind of fucking chaos was happening <laughs> over in San Antonio where everybody's using Deathstorms now. <laughs> okay. Okay, it wasn't everybody using them. Gator, like, had the points, like, fuck it, I'll add a Deathstorm. You know, it, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. And uh, like I said, Josh just added those in so that all three Dreadclaws could come in turn one. So when he looks over and sees like Angron in reserve, he's like, what the fuck is going on over there? <laughs> what kind of mad hell did I just like? <laughs> is he is he chewing on his dice? Dig it, dude. So you went in your first game you played. You were a closer because you're playing Josh's army, which cool. That was a nice looking army. I like it. And then, so... If you could talk to Derek from three weeks ago, what would you tell Derek about Horus Heresy? Like, what would you, like, let's pretend. What All would right. you tell him? So I got a lot of advice from uh, Paul Sweetland. He was like, okay, so. Paul, you're a bad dude. <laughs> it's like, so if you're playing World Eaters, you use the wrong right of war. Like, Primarch's Chosen is cool. Did you write a list or did Josh write your list? Uh, Josh wrote the list. I just okay. interpreted it. Okay. He's like, so your main mistake was you weren't using Berserker Assault. I'm like, okay. Eh, yeah, I guess so. And I mean, I'm just like smiling and nodding at this point because, like I said, I haven't looked at World Eaters. Like, I've just been trying to absorb Space Wolves so I can like 
make lists and know what I need so I know what to buy. I know what to paint. With the models that you had in that army, it should have been a Crimson Path army, sounds like. Yeah, I mean... Especially if you were deep striking into the deployment zone of the enemy. <laughs> like, yeah, you would have been uh, fucking in unstoppable. Dread, in dread calls and not drop pods. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I talked to Josh about it. And he said and he was reworking the list, and I think... I don't know what he had it as, but the Praetor ended up getting worked out somehow. Like, I think he actually intended it to probably be Crimson Path. And you're like, oh, Gallants are like, oh. And so I'm looking, I'm like, so this is a Lord of War choice. This is not a compulsory HQ choice. Let me just let me just turn this over to Primarch's Chosen. Oh, and so, it works. so you shifted the gear. Well, you shifted. <laughs> you broke the list. Well, the list he gave me didn't have a right of war. Like, oh. it, it didn't say which one it was. So I assumed it was the one that makes the list legal. <laughs> so, so what was your two compulsory troops then? It was the inductee. The tax flights. Okay. I thought Primarch's Chosen made you take Terminators. Oh, yeah, I guess the Legion Terminators were also troops. Yeah. Well, I can't remember if it makes you do it or just says you may. I don't remember. I mean, either way, I had two of those, so it works. Yeah. The the models work. Okay. Or I mean, do do the models work? I mean, you, I'm I'm not here to like tell yeah, anybody. Like okay, it. okay, okay. <laughs> I just want to I just want to double check because okay, before I end up like outing myself as like not knowing what the fuck I'm talking about, in case any people out there think I know what I'm talking about. So like, did this? Uh, so I guess sitting there now, because we have a lot of new listeners that listen in and all this jazz. Like, how are you going to play your space wolves any different now that you know how? I mean, I guess you you knew that you knew the basic dynamics of how the game worked. I guess. Yeah, the only, the only thing I was really struggling with was like specific <laughs> rules. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a world eaters player. Wait, why are you playing? Why are you fighting Palatine blades? Hold on. It. We're just, we're just having fun. Oh, so it wasn't a it wasn't a narrative thing or anything like that. Yeah, we we weren't doing it in the narrative. We we're just getting some games in. Oh, okay, fair enough. But uh, what you're talking about what you would like. Are you gonna play your space wolves any different, oh. or? I mean, it really doesn't change how I feel about my space wolves, just because you know those were world leaders. I learned a lot about what world leaders do. Might change what I do if I end up playing against world leaders. Okay, that's fair enough. But you know, I come from the old third edition space wolf codex, which wasn't necessarily like aside from the characters, it wasn't too combat heavy. Like, if you ran your Grey Hunters and you gave them Bolters, that counts as a pistol if they're not charging. And then 5th edition drops, they still have that same codex, so counterattack changes to giving you charging attacks if you're not charging. So all of a sudden, those same Grey Hunters have more attacks when they're not charging than if they're actually charging. For real? Yeah. So I've always run this kind of They got the best like, of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, I've always ran this kind of like counter charge list. Where, basically, my main focus was like just rapid firing my bolters all day, every day, and then letting you charge me because I just didn't care. Well, all right. Well, Derek, I'm glad you had a first good game. I'm glad you had a first good games, actually. Oh yeah, I'm glad you got to play with some cool dudes. Uh, guys, if y'all are in the San Antonio area looking for some badass dudes, I'm pretty sure you've already heard of the Golders guys. Uh, yeah, go, go play with them. They all play Horse Heresy. They're all super da- dope. 
dudes. We got the two Pauls, Gator. All of them are just fantastic people. Hell yeah. Golar's 222. 222. Uh, what is it? Get better, suck less is their motto. Yeah, suck less, do better. Suck less, do better. Good advice, I gotta say. So, all right. Glad that happened. Me too. Ryan, you've got a thousand sun list. That's twenty five hundred points. Court of the Crimson King. That uh, I came in. Yes, I did. So, um, what this was, as I open up my quartermaster here. So, uh, my buddy. Chris got pretty discouraged at Adepticon last year because he tried to sign up for the um, narrative like a bunch of other people, but ended up getting stuck in the competitive. So he had spent the like six months prior getting together this like really cool Sons of Horus list and, you know, getting it all painted and all that and was, you know, really pumped to play some games with it, thought it would really be good. And then in, uh, at Adepticon, he got thrown to the wolves and had to play uh, Custodes in back-to-back games. Fuck. Yeah. So he got his, uh, basically he got tabled in, I think, I think one game they basically called it after two turns, and I think the other game he got tabled turn three. Um, so it wasn't the most positive experience that could have happened, and he's been pretty bummed about that ever since so he knows that like you know most events are narrative because i've been trying to talk him through it i'm like look man there's only really if you play heresy especially in the u.s there's all these big events and there's really only one that's like competitive and that's the one that's the lvo and then right. beyond that you have you have adepticon but it's really only if you sign up for the competitive at adepticon it's not the whole it's like one, one sixth of Adepticon is competitive, and the rest is like non-competitive events. And I'm so pretty sure got, I'm pretty uh, sure 2018 they're gonna just like, it's gonna be a massive narrative. I don't think there's gonna be too much competitive going on, but, but you know, I, I hope so. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them at Nova. Um, I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's their event. I'm not gonna try to push anything on them, but I'm hoping to talk to them about it and just see how they feel about it. But with as many people or that want to go to Adepticon and most people seem to want to do the narrative. And I know for a fact that the story that I'm telling now about Chris, it could be repeated from several other people. I know like everybody I personally know that played in the competitive only played there because the narrative or played in the competitive only played in that particular event because the narrative was full. So I'm with you. I think they could, should just do away with the competitive event and just go all narrative. Like, I don't think you would like, it would still sell out. I don't think you would have any problem selling it out. And I don't think anybody would be mad about that. Yeah. Um, and I, I also, a little birdie told me that, uh, and I mean, once again, this is just behind the scenes. They've not made an official announcement or whatever, but, uh, uh, I think LVO, uh, this is this LVO that's coming up in February of next year, which is the next LVO. I'm pretty sure is going to be the last one of those that's competitive and going forward. I believe it's going to a narrative event as well. So I don't think that they're, 
<laughs> so I don't think there's going to be any more quote-unquote competitive heresy that's a big event um, on the horizon, which I think is a good thing. Um, I don't think that the game is really designed to play that way, and I don't think it doesn't hurt my feelings at all that it's going that way, I guess. I'll put it that way. No, not at all. Um, that said, so what Chris wanted, he's... He was wanting. He's he's always liked that. He really likes the Thousand Sons, the new robots, the uh, the, the their special Castellax. What are they? The Archaean? I forget what they're called. Hang on. Uh, yeah, the R the RK Arche A C H E A. Um, Castellax. So really, his only requirement was he wanted at least a unit of them, just because he really likes the models. Um, but he also. He wanted a list that if he played against Custodes or played it, like was forced to play against any of this stuff or went to an event that was there, um, he could take something nasty that would hold its own against that. But he also wanted to be able to like play at our game club or go to a narrative event and not be that guy. Um, so he wanted the list to be flexible enough where he could, with just changing out a few models or changing whatever, tone it down so that he doesn't inflict the same experience that was inflicted on him when he went to Adepticon. So what I try, so the, the key to the list that I'm about to go over is, so Sekhmet Terminators are obviously just Terminators, and the, the only thing that makes the model different is they just sell a little conversion kit for it. Yeah. So I just, basically the way I did it in my head, I was like, well, let's just do a Terminator unit using those models and give them all combi weapons, and then give them all axes, which could be said that they're force or power axes, depending on which unit you say that they are, and then give a few of them chain fist. That way, you can run them as Sekhmet, or if you don't want to be, you know, you want to tone it down, you could just say that they're normal Terminators when you write your list. But you still don't have to buy extra models if you're on a budget. You can run them either way. Um, and then when you run them as normal Terminators, you can choose to buy them Mastery Level 1, or choose not to buy them any mastery level. So with that one unit, you can basically say no mastery level, level one, or Sekhmet, which are level two, plus a bunch of other stuff. So it'll, just those running two units of those and being able to adjust them that wide of a range gives your list a ton of adjustment without having to buy a bunch of models. So that was kind of my idea going in when I built this list. So the, the one that I'm going to go over real quick is the top tier version, the dick kicker version of the list, and then I'll just real quickly you know, say what I would change to tone it down to go to more like of a narrative event or play with your buddies. Trigger warning. So, in effect. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is the, the Court of the Crimson King, so this you know fills all the requirements for that and like I said, this is kind of a little bit of a dick kicker list and um the only requirement, like I said, that he put in there was he wanted to run some of the, the robots just because he likes the models. So it's a, a level three Praetor. Um, he has Rite of War, uh, Guard of the Crimson King. He's taking Colt Arcana, uh, Raptora. Uh, and he has Mastery Level Three. And then he has a um, Paragon Blade. Power Fist, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo. Um, so, the crazy thing about Thousand Suns is you can, when you choose their Cold Arcana, 
It doesn't have to match with what you pick, uh, like, your powers from. So you could give him, like, Corviday, but then pick your powers from Biomancy, and there's no drawback to it other than you don't get the bonus of plus one to manifest. Right. So he's set up right now to be Raptora, which is the the Biomancy one, because he was planning on taking level three Biomancy. But I told him if he wanted to dial it up even harder you can take um the one that's telekinesis hang on it's no that's what it is so telekinesis is raptor so this guy's going to be a two up three up with uh five attacks base or sorry six attacks base because he's got digital lasers and dual specialist weapon seven on the charge with level three biomancy is probably what he'll select so it's this is I think the nastiest Praetor uh, in the game, personally. So the, uh, but we'll get to when you to dial it back in the other list. It'll it'll change a lot, and you'll we'll go over why it's not as bad. Um, okay. So the sec the second HQ is a librarian uh, with Corvidae, and he is mastery level two, and he has a uh, four axe. And he is on a jet bike, a scimitar jet bike. So that's the two HQs. For troops, uh, it's a unit of Sekhmet Terminators. It's seven Sekhmet. Uh, They have Raptora, which increases them. Well, they're in Cataphracty. And then they have Raptora, which increases their involve save to a three-up. So they're a two-up, three-up Terminator with two wounds. Um, The unit has two chain fists in it. And then the other five guys just have four axes, And then every single guy has a combi weapon. Um, he'll probably go Melta, but you could go Plasma, whatever. That You can pick any combi weapon you want. Um, then, the, then the second troop's choice is another unit of Sekhmet. It's five of them. Um, they're also Raptora. Uh, two of them have Chain Fist. Three of them have four axes, And all of them, once again, have combi weapons. He'll probably go Melta. Um, for elites, he's got a unit of three of the special Castellacs, the Archea uh, Castellacs. So these are just flat out better than normal Castellacs. The coolest thing about these guys is normally you have to be within 12 inches of the Cortex controller uh, to get all, all the benefits of having the Cybernetica Cortex. These guys just have to be within 24 inches of a single Psyker and We've not went through the whole list yet, but uh, every single model in this army other than the robots is a Psyker. So as long as it's within 24 inches of another model in your army, Jesus, uh, they're going to be good to go. Shit's going down. Um, yeah. And the other cool thing about them is you can cast Psychic Powers through them. So if you, I think, I think it's 24 inches. So if, you're with, if a librarian's within 24 inches... They can cast a power and use the robot itself as the point of where the power is being cast from. So let's say you had a psychic power with a 24-inch range, and you had your robots 24 inches up the board, and your librarian's 24 inches behind them. The librarian can use the robot that's 24 inches up the board for the origin of the power and then cast it another 24 inches. So it basically can potentially really expand the range of your psychic powers if you have something that has a range. Gotcha. Um, so, so like I said, he's got a unit of three of those with no upgrades. So they just have the bolters and then the, uh, 
the Mahler bolter on top. But the cool thing about the Thousand Suns ones is they all get the Astix shells, so it means all their guns have shred. So they're all re-rolls the wound on all their shooting, which is pretty brutal. Good lord. Um, so then the next elite unit is a squad of 10 Space Marine veterans. Um, so these guys are Pavoni, which is Biomancy. So I think they just add plus one to the run rolls or whatever, but it's more because they're going to shoot. They have these particular veterans he's chosen to upgrade with uh, Mastery Level 1. So they're Brotherhood of Psychers, and they're going to choose Biomancy. So this 10-man unit, uh, five of them have Combi Melthas, two of them have Power Axes, and then the Sergeant has Artificer Armor and a, a third Power Axe. So, so it's basically three Power Axes and five Combi, five combi Melthas in the unit. Um, he can go Machine Killer or Sniper with these. It'll work either way. The reason the unit is set up for both shooting and close combat is because with Biomancy and Brotherhood of Sorcerers, obviously if he hits Warp Speed and and every single guy in the unit gets, you know, plus three initiative and plus three attacks. Um, veterans are already four attacks on the charge, so you got four guys with power axes. Um, if he hits warp speed, then those four axe-wielding guys end up being seven attacks a model. So you get 21 power axe attacks just from three guys. Just um, fucking just meat grinding through whatever the fuck's in front of it. Yeah, like, it, and then if, if, you, if you hit uh, Iron Arm... These guys will jump to tough seven and their uh, basic close combat attacks, just like their four just punching attacks, will become strength seven with smash. Um, the thing about smash is you don't have to use the smash. Like just having smash makes all your attacks AP two, whether you choose to use smash or not. If you use smash, you double your strength, which would make them strength 10, but you go down to a single attack. So they'll be able to smash part tanks and then against infantry. You're going to be punching into people with, you know, four attacks to guide AP2 at initiative. So they're going to become better than suzerains at that point. Then, they're you know, basically everything in Biomancy is going to really benefit these guys. So they're set up to, if you get, you know, enfeeble, you can lower somebody's toughness by one and then shoot the crap out of them with sniper bolters or melt the guns or whatever. So it's, it's the unit's basically set up to be a toolbox based on what powers you roll and what veteran skill you go with. Right. Uh, um, so for fast attack, um, it's uh, the first choice is an Anvil's Dreadclaw for the veterans, and the second choice is another Anvil's Dreadclaw for the unit of five segment. Um, and then the third fast attack unit is a unit of six Jet Bike Sky Hunters, so just a six-man Jet Bike Squad. Um, they took Corvidae, and two of the guys in the unit have Volkite Colverans, and this is the unit the Librarian will attach to. So with Corvidae, you can re if you don't move, you can re-roll ones when shooting. Because these guys are all on jet bikes, they never count as moving because they have relentless. So when they fire, they'll always be able to re-roll their ones. Um, the cool thing with Divination is one of the powers is a four-up invulnerable save. So if you can if you roll that one up, you give it to the unit of jet bikes, and then you don't have to jink. You just instead of jinking, you just have a four-up involve. So you'll always get the max out of your shooting. Um, that power, I can't remember if that one has a range on it or not. I think it does. So if it has a range on it, which I'm pretty sure it does, you can cast it on a different unit or cast it through the robots to even extend the range out to get it, you know, further out on another unit. But the power these guys are really wanting to get, there's a malediction power and divination that you choose an enemy unit to cast it on. It's range 24 inches. 
Um, it once that powers on the enemy unit, all attacks directed at that unit gain rending. So you try to get that one so that you can throw rending on a unit and then shoot it with this big jet bike unit or all the bolt guns or whatever in the rest of your army uh, and get a bunch of rends. Uh, the thing about that power is it's range 24 and these jet bikes are range 36, so you have to get closer than you want normally in order to get the power off and then follow up with shooting. But because the robots are in the list, you can push the robots up in front of the jet bikes and cast it through the robots and keep your jet bikes safer so that's kind of the synergy that i worked into the list there hmm. um so then the uh also the primaris power for um corvidae or for divination is uh, prescience so you'll be able to put it on a unit and they get to re-roll all failed rolls to hit in both shooting and close combat uh which is really good so that'll work well with the jet bikes or you could cast it on the sec met and make them you know, re-roll all their attacks, whatever. Once again, you can use the robots to extend the range of the casting. So, pretty good. Um, so that's the three fast attack. And then for heavy support, um, he took a single Charybdis to put the seven-man Sekhmet squad in and the Praetor. So Sounds, sounds solid, dude. Sounds like, uh, I mean, you even included the tactics on how to play it in there, like, yeah. Well, it's not people who there's a lot of people who aren't familiar with psychic powers, and Thousand Sons are one of those that. So we complain about custodes all the time, but I think custodes are kind of like openly broken, like they're, they're like meathead broken. Like you don't really have to. You know what I mean? Like they're just like there's base stat lines and they're just base like right up front special rules. They're just better than everything else for their points. Yeah, um, just a bunch of thads. I, I, yeah, I think Thousand Sons are actually more powerful, but they have a much, much steeper learning curve to learn how all the synergies work and how all the, the powers work. Now, I don't encourage people to go around running shit like this all the time, and that's not why I wrote this list. I wrote it so that if he has to face Custodes, because um, we've been running into that. We just recently started running into that problem. We... We went to an event as a club, and it was a smaller event, and so I think there was like maybe seven, eight players on each team, and on the Loyalists, so you only got seven, eight guys on the Loyalists. I think there were seven Loyalist players. Um, three of them took custodies. So, you know, if you were a trader player that day, you had basically like half your games, like half the games they played was going to be against custodes. Um, so... This list is basically written for if you run into that situation to level the playing field, I guess, um, until things get fixed, if they ever do. But this is not something I would personally like. This is not something I would run. Um, but I get, you know, what I mean, like why he wanted it. Yeah. Now, that said, um, I told him. List. That's what it sounds like. like right. Right. Exactly. The nuclear option. So. <laughs> Exactly. So to tone this down, like if he wanted to play all these same models, but like play at our club or go to an event that, and then maybe he shows up to the event, sees nobody's playing Custos, whatever, it looks more, more like, or maybe he makes it into the narrative at Adepticon this year and doesn't want to be that guy. He can take all these same models, and what you would do is on the Praetor, you would, have, you would drop the Praetor down to level two, 
instead of level three. And then you would choose a different Ar- Arcana so that he's not a two up, three up. You would just leave him as standard two up, four up, and then he would only be level two, which is going. And then you may not even want to choose Biomancy. You may choose something else like Telekinesis or something, um, which will really, really tone that guy down a lot. Um, so that that's an easy fix to tone him down. Then as far as the Sekhmet, I would just switch them over to standard Legion Terminators that are level one. Um, so this, you know, drops them down from level two to level one. Uh, then you could even choose something that wasn't uh, Raptora. So they would go from a two up, three up down to their standard save of two up, four up. Um, and then you're rolling for your powers instead of choosing them. And then their force axes just go down to normal power axes. So it really, 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 really softens the list a lot. Um, and then with the points that you gained by dropping that stuff down, you just expand the jet bike squad from a six-man squad to a nine-man squad. Okay. That's not as brutal, but still enough to be fun. Right. Well, I mean, I don't... At that point, you really... You just have a vet squad... Um, and then two termin- single wound Terminator squads that like anybody else could take and arm the same way, other than you bought them like one level of psychic mastery. Um, and also the list overall goes down three levels of psychic mastery. I think it's, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's ten in the nastier version, and that drops down to seven uh, in the normal version, which is a lot more manageable <laughs> oh his other request was if he ever wanted to run magnus he wanted it uh to be able just to throw magnus in the list so magnus is 495 this list is 2500 points and i with only uh seven terminators in the uh charybdis plus the praetor magnus will fit in there with them so if he wanted to up it to 3000 points he could literally just throw magnus in to either list and there's room for him in the transport and everything works out it's fucking badass, dude. Just slide Magnus in. It's like the the army, the, like the army's scalable to what kind of person you're playing. So, like, oh, you're gonna you're well, gonna that's, okay. See, cool. That's what I'm getting at is, and I tried to explain it to him. Like the cool thing about this list is just by choosing um, whether or not to upgrade things to psychic powers, whether or not to make the Terminator Sekhmet or not, which Arcanas you choose, and what school of psychic powers you roll on there's a huge amount of adjustment in the list like a huge so you could go from i mean you could even drop uh the terminators and the veterans to no psychic powers if you wanted to and with that extra 75 points make the uh bike squad a full 10 man unit if you wanted to buy four bikes instead of three and that would leave him with like 50 points or something like that and then you could just fill out the uh, veterans with, like, give them melt bomb because they don't have melt bombs um, You could just give the veterans melt bombs and then maybe throw, you know, a few more upgrades on something, whatever, and fill out your points. So, and at that point, you're essentially just a generic Legion of Stardis list that anybody could build other than your Praetors level two. But I believe Thousand Suns, they, they're forced into doing that. I don't, I think you can maybe go all the way down to level one, but you're a Praetor, you must be a Psyker. That's just part of being Thousand Sun. Yeah. 
And nobody's hating on that. Everybody gets it. No. It's only fluffy. Right. And if you did that, your mastery level would drop all the way down to three or four, which is not... I mean, there's a lot of people that run a librarian or something like that. So, once again, that's very manageable. So, I think this is a good example of like what the Ivor's guys are always talking about about regulating yourself and all that like this he can buy this list that I went over plus the three additional jet bikes and then like you said scale his list to meet a wide variety of opponents and hopefully not you know make them suffer the same fate that he suffered when he went to Adepticon yeah it's like so. Saiyan Super Saiyan Super Saiyan 2 like just just be cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically so, I don't know. I just thought that was a cool list to go over on the show and, you know, tell, show people the possibilities of, you know, being able to do stuff like that. Hell yeah. Never in my life did I think I'd hear a Thousand Sun list coming out of Ryan Kimmel's Mountain. Here we are. 2017. <laughs> I was there. Where were you? It came, comes with many asterisks. I hope people listen to the whole thing. <laughs> no, people are going to be like, Thousand Sun list, Ryan Kimmel wrote it. Go oh, bye bye bye, <laughs> jet bikes, jet bikes. We need jet bikes. We need thousands. <laughs> oh, all right. So next up on the list, Ryan, you have an Iron Warriors Iron Fire twenty five hundred point list. You wrote. What did yes, you do there? Um, that was Blair's list. Uh, he sent you the email. If you want to read his email. Oh yes, Mister Blair. We'll go ahead and pull up your Iron Fire list. By the way, jumping back to that Thousand Suns list of like how nasty it could have been, even at the highest level that we went over that list, I would rate it at about a six, maybe, um, as far as the potential of Thousand Suns. Um, I wrote one a long time ago when the army first came out just to see how disgustingly mean you could make it. And wow, it can get a lot worse. But I'm not, that's not something I want to release to the public and give anybody ideas they can figure it out on their own <laughs> there's a there's an 11 list in ryan's head that you, nobody needs to see you go on my phone so now i have to now i have to guard my phone at adepticon uh it's password protected folks you need so, a password two different like keys the, activated at the same it's like time. the clip it's the clipboard from the water boy <laughs> <laughs> all right so this this Iron Warriors list comes from Blair coming out of New Zealand. New Zealand says, Kia ora, mates. I don't know what the fuck that means, but cool. It says, hi, guys. I've been listening to Radio for Istvan for a little while now after hearing the Eye of Horus lads talk about your, about your show. Listening to your podcast makes the weekly 1,000 kilometers or 600-odd miles I cover during my job much more pleasant. Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. I've only just settled on what faction I want to play. I'm adhering to the fully painted is for closers maxim, and I'm currently painting up 30 Mark III Marines, 15 Tataras, and 5 Cataphracti in the 4th Legion's colors. My next purchase will be vehicles. Pricey when buying from Forge World for us Kiwis, so want to nail down a list. This leads me to my request. Could I please get Ryan to run his critical eye and efficient list-building brain over the attached 2,500-point Iron Warriors list. The fluff behind the list is the Force is a loyalist, mostly Terran, Iron Warriors Grand Battalion made up primarily of Tyranthikos, informally known as the Dominators. These were the Legion's Terminator veterans. 
that were split off from the main body of the Legion not long after Perturabo had taken control to join a smaller, separate expeditionary fleet. Thematically, I envisioned the Medusae and the Iron Havocs pummeling the enemy from a distance as the Terminators and Tactical Squads rushed forward to take advantage of, an, of any holes in the enemy lines. I thought the Iron Fire Rod of War was the best theme. As far as the actual game goes, the Medusa and Iron Havoc set up to rain death on the enemy. The Terminators go in, the Spartan and Land Raider, respectively. They joined by, they're joined by an apothecary each. The tax squads go to rhinos and sit on objectives or plug holes where needed. Not exactly complicated as is meant to be an all-comers list. And I haven't played a game of 30k yet, so I thought I'd keep it simple. So if you can make some suggestions and give some advice, that would be greatly appreciated. By way of thanks, if I can get a postal address, I'll send you over a care package of delicious New Zealand treats. Kiwi drumsticks, tatara jerky, and moa filet to name a few. To name but a few. What is moa filet? Only I have way no to find idea. out. No, no, I don't know what any so, of that shit is. I don't know what a kiwi is. So here's, here's the thing on this. So here's the thing. I think we should roll a D3 right now on the show. And whoever wins the roll-off gets to send them the address and they get the snacks. And you and Michael, Derek, count as one person since you guys can share because you're close. I guess we could, me and Scott could share too. So let's just do a, you know, what do you guys want to be? Do you guys want to be one through uh, three or four, five, six? Flip a, flip a coin. Flip a coin. You got a coin? Uh, yeah, hang on. Okay. Flip the coin. So do you want to be heads or tails? I'll let you call it. I'm flipping a coin when no one else can see, and I'm calling it. <laughs> I don't want to call it. We're going to have to at least call it. I know Ryan's so not a cheater. Go ahead and call it, and I'll flip it. Okay, let me know when you flip it. I'll call it in the air. It's in the air. Tails. It is heads. You lose. You me get it. Get the snacks. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it's heads. <laughs> I don't know, man. It looks fair to me. <laughs> I like how Michael's like, ah, I know Ryan's not a cheater. Oh, fuck, I lost. Ryan's a cheater. <laughs> Have you he, seen some lists he's been building? Damn. <laughs> he's some fucked up Court of the Crimson King lists. He says, thanks for the podcast, guys. I love the blend of 30K chat and irrelevant humor. When I get some time, I record a voicemail of when I was lucky enough to watch my boss get his arm stuck in a tractor's power take off. Oh my goodness, that fucking sucks. Most, that's not good. Yeah, dude, that's that fucking. You no, know what would be the worst? You get your arm caught in it and it rips your arm off, and then it just keeps going around and slapping you in the face. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Literally adding insult to injury. Yeah, for those of you that don't know what a takeoff is, that is like the the shaft that comes out of the back of the fucking tractor and turns whatever power equipment you're running behind the tractor. So it does spin pretty fast. So if your arm got ripped off, there's a good chance it could just be slapping you. And like, imagine trying to catch it. As if you've ever seen around. a jacked up, if you've ever seen a jacked up four wheel drive where you can actually see the drive shaft, that's exactly what it looks like. It's literally just a drive shaft with uh, joints at either end, uh, the powered equipment, whatever you're running, to the uh, back of the tractor. <laughs> We'd love to hear that story, man. Most country folks should know what that is. Probably not as spectacular as other industrial accident stories, but I've never seen an arm do such an impression of strand of cookie spaghetti. Of cooked spaghetti. Oh, <laughs> my list is below. Sorry if formatting is a pain in the hole. Cheers, Blair. 
So Blair had a Legion Praetor Tribune, the Apothecary and Detachment with uh, two Apothecaries. So he's got two Apothecaries. Uh, both have Artificer Armor and Power Sword. Gross. Uh, then he's got a Legion Terminator Squad with a Tataros Terminator Armor. Uh, they are in a Legion Spartan Assault Tank with Dozer Blade, Flare Shield, Quad Last Cannon Sponson, and Twin Link Heavy Bolter. Uh, the Sergeant has a Kami Bolter and a Power Fist. He's got Plasma Blaster and a Power Fist on one of them, and the rest have Chain Fist and Kami Bolter. So it looks like there's one, two, three, four, five Terminators and their Sergeant and a Spartan. Uh, then he did that exact same unit again. Oh, no. No Plasma Blaster this time. Oh, no. It's completely different. So it's a Legion Terminator squad, not in Tartarus armor, so I'm guessing these are going to be in cat, Cataphracty armor. Uh, they're in a Phobos with Dozer Blade. Uh, the Sergeant has a Power Fist Kami Bolter. Then one of the Terminators has a Reaper Auto Cannon, and the rest have Chain Fist. So three Chain Fist, Reaper Auto Cannon, and a Sergeant. So five dudes all together. Uh, under the Troop Choice, he has a Legion Tactical Squad, ten dudes, all with Bolters. Uh, the, they're riding in a Legion Rhino with Dozer Blade and Pencil Mounts and Multimelta. The Sergeant has Artificer Armor and a Power Fist. Um, then he's got a second Legion Tactical Squad. Looks like it is armed exactly the same. Uh, then in his Heavy Support Squad, he's got an Iron Havoc Support Squad with five Iron Havocs. Five of them have, all of them have missile launchers with Crack, Flak, and Frag missiles. And the Iron Havoc Sergeant has an Augury Scanner, a Missile Launcher. And so, okay, so it looks like it's actually six Iron Havocs altogether. Uh, then he's got a Legion Artillery Tank Squadron with a Medusa. Uh, just bare bones Medusa. And... It's three Medusas. Oh, it's three. Oh, yeah, you right. it. Yeah, it is Legion Medusa, Legion Medusa, Legion Medusa. So three Medusas. So Ryan, what did you do besides break up that uh that squadron? Well, you you can't break it up because artillery is a zero to one choice. Oh, you're right. Oh my goodness. So that is one hundred percent. Basically, what I did. Death blossom yeah, bait. It, yeah, I know. I, I told him that. <laughs> um, so here's what we did. So first of all, um, he kind of messed up because, like he said, he was new. He's not really played a game yet. He took the two apothecaries with the intention of it attaching to the terminator units um because if you look he had two tactical squads and rhinos so they were filled up yep. so they can't go there and then he's got a spartan with, and then he's got two terminator units which are can't attach to those so he really didn't have any and so i was like well one can go with the iron havocs but i don't know what this other guy's doing like uh so i knew there was some kind of mistake so i just when I wrote the list, I was like, well, let's just drop both of these because I don't really think the Iron Havocs need it, and I'll get to why. So my idea was just to get rid of those to get points. And then I dropped one of the Medusas because I just think three in a battery. For one, it's usually overkill. And two, it's exactly what you said because you're forced to squadron them. It's just too much. It's too many eggs in one basket. I can stomach two, but three is pushing it unless you're running a really big game where you have tons of other threats, like a super heavy tank, like a Typhon or some shit. And then like another, you know what I mean? Like a primar, like all kinds of shit running around. Um, right. 2,500 point like this, like that with, you know, 
that's just going to be like an easy target for somebody to drop in on and get rid of like super easy and rack up a bunch of points. So I basically dropped a Medusa and then I went through and just kind of started cutting upgrades that I didn't really feel were necessary just to garner some points. And uh, I kept the list exactly in the same theme as he wanted because he has a very strong theme and wrote a cool story. So I didn't want to drastically change it. I just wanted to clean it up and make it more points efficient and make it hit a little harder. So what I came up with was instead of running the Tribune, I just dropped the guy down to a normal Praetor with Paragon Blade and Iron Halo in Terminator armor. He can run any type that he wants. So that makes the guy 165 instead of the 180. So it's basically the exact same guy, but without digital lasers, just to save some points. Um, then his two troop choices, uh, I believe, are identical. They're two 10-man two tactical squads. The Sergeants have Artificer Armor Power Fist, and they're both in Rhinos with Dozer Blade and, and Pendle Mounted Multimelta. So just your kind of two basic tactical squads. Uh, the Dozer Blades and the Melta Guns kind of fit this theme of, you know, Iron Fire driving forward, whatever. Right. Um, speaking of which, I, I wanted to address the Iron Fire thing, too. When I seen that he was running Iron Fire and I looked through his list for artillery, the only thing he had was a single Medusa battery. So I was like, well, you can't, you got to have more than one unit because, like, that unit would have to shoot something to put counters down and then use its own counters the following turn. Right. Because it's only one unit. So I wanted to put more counters, more things with barrage in the army. So for elites, I took uh, five Terminators. He can run them in either, because, like you said, he had one in Tartaros and then one he didn't say. So I just put Terminators on the army list. I don't. He can run them as Cataphract, Tartarus, or Normal. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's all the same points. But it's five Terminators. Um, the Sergeant and two other guys both have Power Fists. And then the other two guys in the squad have Chain Fists. And then they just all have Combi Bolters. So I basically just got rid of some of the upgrades to save some points. Um, and the first squad is in a Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Sermite. Um, then I took a second squad of Terminators, just like in his list, armed identical. So three Power Fists, two Chain Fists, just Combi Bolters. And they're in a Spartan, and the Spartan has Armored, Ceramite, and Dozer Blade. So the same as his, but I just got rid of the Flare Shield once again for points. So obviously the Praetor will go in this Spartan with those guys. And then uh, for the third Elite Choice, I took a single uh, Quad Mortar Rapier with no upgrades. So this is just a cheap 60-point unit that he can use to fire ranging shots to get a lot of those counters out. Because it's multiple barrage, one of these things will put out four counters, and it's just like something cheap you can shoot at a blob of infantry or even light armor or even something you can't hurt just to put counters down so that your heavy artillery can then shoot it and not scatter. Um, so then for the fourth and final elite slot, I took another single quad mortar. Uh, just like the other one, for the same purpose. So basically just split them up because I could, uh, points-wise. Um, then for heavy support, I took the uh, Iron Havoc squad that he had, but I maxed it out to 10 guys. So it's a full 10-man Iron Havoc squad. They all have missile launchers with all three missiles, just like he had it in his list, but double the amount of guys, obviously. Um, the Sergeant has Artificer Armor, uh, Augury Scanner, and then also the missile launcher. Um then for the second heavy support slot, I took a Scorpus Whirlwind. So this gives him yet another barrage unit that also that hits a little harder than the quad mortars that he can put more counters down and you know kill infantry with. It's just a really 
cheap, points-efficient unit that'll be good and give the enemy something else to think about. And then uh, for the third and final HQ slot, I kept his Medusa battery in, but just dropped it down to two Medusas. So it's just a single battery of two Medusas. Hmm. I dig it. And it makes a shitload more sense with uh, with Iron Fire counters being spilt everywhere now. Right, because now he's got two Medusas that put him out, a Scorpus Whirlwind that puts one plus a D3 of him out, and then he's got two separate quad mortars that each put four of them out. So when his guys get close to them, they become fearless. And then also if he's got guys, I think within 12 inches of them, and then I think if guys are within, if you're shooting within like 12 inches of a counter and there's also guys within six inches of the counter or wherever, then you don't scatter or something like that. I forget how it works, but basically you have to have troops close to where you're shooting as well as counters. So this gives him an ability to spread out counters all over the board. Um, so he'll be able to make the majority of his guys um, fearless. And also a lot of these brass blast markers will either only scatter a D six or not scatter at all. Yeah. It, it makes a lot more sense. And it turns those Medusas up to like 11 because once you get non scattering shots like that, well, then in his backfield, he's got a full 10-man Iron Havoc unit, a Scorpus Whirlwind, a Medusa battery, two Medusas, and then two single quad mortars. So you can spread all that shit out, and that's like going to be a lot more threats in the backfield that if somebody has drop pods or something that wants to jump in and get rid of all that, like say they only have like a one-off Melt-A-Vet squad, before they would just come in and blow all three of the Medusas up, and then all that's left back there is five Iron Havocs. Yep. That's it. So this jump to 10 Iron Havocs, a Scorpus, and then two quad launchers, while also keeping the two 10-man tactical squads and Rhinos and the two Terminator squads and the Spartan and the Land Raider um, pretty much intact. All I did was really dump some upgrades. So if you look at it, he's got pretty much everything he had in his before, just minus some upgrades, but I really felt like I increased the hitting power and put a lot more threats on the board while keeping his theme. So I was pretty... I was actually kind of surprised at how much I could squeeze in extra, but I think it worked out. So I sent it to him, and he was really happy with it. But I, I really think this list turned out well. Um, I, I think it was a good adjustment that will make it strong but still fit his theme and still be fluffy and all that. Yeah, dude. I really dig that list. I really like to see that on the table being played because I'm pretty sure it'd be fucking pretty brutal. Manageable, but fucking yeah, brutal. I, yeah, I don't think it's over the top. I think it's, it's. I mean, as far as Iron Fire lists go, uh, I've seen way, way, way meaner. Um, so I don't think he's going to, like, you know, set anybody off by playing it, but it's going to definitely, definitely stronger than what he had. Um, so, yeah. And I, I think it's very expandable to uh, 3,000 points, too. Yeah, there's no trigger warning or anything like that. And then, yeah, you can just keep building off of it and keep adding things. Uh, and yeah, the vehicle quad, quad mortar bigger. Yeah, the the vehicles and the the stuff you chose isn't the most expensive Forge World item purchases that you could go out and get. So a lot of the well, that was the other thing he he said something about you know I didn't know what he owned already um, yeah. or what he didn't own already. So I wanted when I changed the list, I wanted to make sure that I kept it mostly the same. So. I just dropped the one Medusa in favor of a Scorpius, which I think are roughly the same. And actually, the 
Scorpius may be cheaper. And then basically he'll just have to buy one more unit of Iron Havocs or convert. I guess you can't buy them. You'd have to convert them up anyway. So I figured he more, more than likely probably has a Calf box or a Prospero box. So it comes with 30 Marines anyway. So he can just use 10 or sorry, 10 of them for the Iron Havocs and then 20 of them for the tacticals. I dig so. it, man. Very cool, Blair. I'm sure you're going to love this list. And, uh, Ryan will be getting with you shortly to get you his address so you can send him some kiwi jerky and moa <laughs> cakes. Whatever the fuck. I don't know. Well, while you're on there, just, e- just, just, just email it to him right now because I'll forget. Okay. I will do that right now. But, uh. When we, when we quit recording here, I'll give it to you if you don't know my address off the top of your head. I know your address off the top of my head. Anyway. So that's going to be it, guys. That's going to be it for this show, man. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, definitely go ahead and send some recommendations in if you want to hear some things. Uh, we're kind of been in the talks of possibly revisiting some of the new to heresy talk as far as like units and things like that. Uh, definitely send your stories in. 209-RFI-30K0. Uh, send your... List or any questions you have to Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, Scott at Warhammer30k.com, or Derek at Warhammer30k.com, and we will get back to you. Uh, we have a Facebook page, guys, that you can check us out at, Radio Free Istvan. Uh, we post a lot of fun stuff on there, like work in progress pictures and things that are relevant to this show. Uh, as well, this week, if you manage to catch this before Friday the what's today the 14th so i guess that what, what's this friday gonna be uh today's the 15th um, so friday be like the 19th friday the 18th okay so friday the 18th uh black label painting is giving away a custodes night kit so custodes night upgrade kit like he painted a custodes night he's giving away the whole night and he used the comrade quiche custodes kit Go check that out, guys. That was donated by Shapeways, and we donated the night to them, to, to Black Label Painting, and he painted it up to give away. So, if just, you win, if you win, and you're going to Gen Con, let Samson know immediately, and he might be able to bring it up because he's going to be up here with me on Saturday at Gen Con. Yee yee, boys, yee yee. So that thing looks fucking tight. It is a beautiful kit. Comrade Quiche over at Shapeways. Well, actually, Comrade Quiche is the, the designer, and he has all of his things printed through Shapeways. If you want a Custodes kit for your night, you can go to Shapeways, get it printed up for you. It is a fucking sexy-ass kit, and David Sampson just made it look even sexier with his sexy painting. And uh, like I said, guys, uh, Shapeways was nice enough to go ahead and provide that kit. And if you go support that giveaway by liking and sharing his post, then there's probably going to be more giveaways like that in the future from Shapeways and, of course, you know, Black Label Painting, RFI, stuff like that. So, got to get involved, people. Got to get involved. Even if you don't want the night, you think somebody might like that night, go share it to them. So, that's all I have. Ryan, you have anything you want to shout out before we sign the fuck off? That's it. I've talked more than enough like I normally do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Y'all have a great one. Enjoy the rest of your week.
the same forever.